Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. My name is Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. How are you guys doing? I just have to say I am so relieved that SummerSlam was a good show because I was really not wanting to um, come on the show and bash yet another WWE show. Yeah, what about I, you, man? Yeah, I thought it was a good show too. It it could have we could have been on like a, a real losing streak with WWE shows if this one had been a, a mess, but yeah, um, they they righted the ship a bit right here. Cool. So, so I, I was actually curious the last time I liked a show, so I went digging through their archives. I didn't count NXT, and the last show that I remotely remember enjoying was Fastlane in March. That's been a little bit of a dry streak. Yeah. But here's what we're going to do. I want all of you all out there to know that we are getting our social media presence up and running. Um, we have actually a Facebook and a Twitter presence. We are on Facebook. It is facebook.com slash four corners, I believe it is. Is that correct? Four corners podcast with a four. four corners podcast with the number four. No spaces, just all uh, all mashed together. And then we are on Twitter as well, right, Matt? Yeah, we're on Twitter. It's the four corners podcast. You can follow us. It's at podcast four corners uh and that's capital p in podcast and the number four so podcast four corners all right so we'd love to hear from you guys please give us a like give us follow talk to us also what are you gonna say also um if you guys want to subscribe to us on itunes we're under the four corners podcast and if you're subscribing to us on itunes we would really appreciate a five-star review because if you the more five star reviews you get us the um, the more people will listen, and you can also email us at um, pitpodcast twenty five at gmail dot com. If you um, if you want to like email us comments and things like that, we'll read it on the show. Sure, we may have a mailbag episode if we get enough. Incidentally, it is pitpodcast twenty five at gmail because of the fact that. Apparently, every email related to Four Corners has been taken in the last few years. Yeah, and, so. and the, that that has to do with some old podcasts we did. Um, so if you email that, I check it periodically. And we might, at some point in the future, throw out for comments for, like, you know, big shows. Honestly, like, if a big show happens and you have thoughts, you can tweet it at us or email it to us and we'll read it on the show. Speaking of social media presence, whenever we put something up there, there's someone that we always have on our mind. Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah, that would be Epico Cologne. Um, if Epico was here with me right now, I know he would give me a cough drop because I actually <laughs> am feeling a bit under the weather. So I, <laughs> he would be a, he's a stand-up guy, so I know he'd, he'd give me some NyQuil or something. Oh, man. I've actually had like a weird chest cold for like a few days now, so mm. it took me like... 20 hours <laughs> to watch SummerSlam just because I kept falling asleep. Not because it's a boring show, just because I was very, very tired and medicated. Um, I might actually be, as they say, low energy uh, <laughs> under my medication. I might but, have to constantly remind you to chip in, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, good show. We're going to talk about it tonight. So 
All right, so... You might hear random gunfire on this end because there is a cricket outside of my window that will not shut the hell up. Ah. I'm, I'm glad to know we've got our measured responses figured out. Well, my guns are not in the same room with me, so I would have to go to the effort of going upstairs and getting one. Fair enough. Okay, so <clears throat> this past weekend, by the way, this is being recorded on... August 21st, 2018, this past weekend, was SummerSlam weekend. Lots of stuff happening. We're actually going to kind of hit this in chronological order, though, because Matt and Brad had a little bit they wanted to talk about with the NXT uh, TakeOver show. So, guys, why don't you uh, get us started? So, uh, the first thing I want to talk about with this show is I have no idea why Velveteen Dream and EC3 got 15 minutes. Yeah, they got a lot of time, um, and I, I guess that's the, well. EC three's been around. Velveteen Dream is is still pretty young, so he, there's he's still learning. I guess they're still watching him progress. But NXT is kind of touring now. It has been for at least a few months. I feel. Um, I um, I went to their first house show ever, actually. Oh yeah, was it was it earlier this year? Or was it even beyond that? Oh no, I that was um, hold on. I know I. It was 2015, I, I think. Oh well, that's okay. Well, I know to, they've been. I've been to, I've been to four NXT shows, I think here. I I know they've been touring kind of more recently, because um, I went to a show that came to DC, and uh, he was definitely on the on the show and did a a longish match with Ricochet, and it was pretty good. So I I, I can understand giving him time, but if you're doing house shows or traveling maybe that's when you give these guys like 15 20 minutes to figure stuff out not necessarily on takeover and there's a difference uh, between working long with ricochet and working long with the ec3 true but yeah they they gave them a lot of time and i don't i don't know that it really served any purpose although uh, i didn't i didn't think this was a terrible match it just was kind of there it was an eight minute match stretched out to a 15 minute match yeah, and I think EC3 got busted up a bit, right? Yeah, something happened to his eye, maybe, or his nose. I think he got yeah, concussed, I, too. Yeah, what what move did, was it that he actually got hit with that, that happened? Because I, I don't recall I, seeing anything that was kind of off know, to me. Because I thought, I thought the only awkward stuff like that could have caused injury happened to Velveteen. Yeah, but I mean, he picked up the win here, so that's they're still kind of slowly pushing him along. Yeah, which is good because I actually really like that guy. I mean, I'm I'm partial to him just because he's actually from the DC area. Although it's uh, it's amusing to me that they they bill him from Capitol Hill <laughs> because that's not that's not remotely where he would be from <laughs> if he was actually from DC. My, um, isn't correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while since I was there, but I don't think anybody technically lives on Capitol Hill, do they? Well, there is a Capitol Hill neighborhood that people do live in, but it's like you're, you know, you're like a lobbyist or something, or you work on the hill. Oh, okay. There, it's right. it's My like mistake. really, it's nice little row houses that would be at least like a million dollars if you're actually looking to buy. Um, it's. Because of their proximity to the hill, correct? Yeah, and they're generally like in nice areas. Um, okay. All right. 
it, I, if they really wanted to get clever, not that uh, not that he's really supposed to have a gay gimmick, but if they really wanted to be clever, they could have built him from someplace like uh, like Logan Circle here in DC, which is more of like the uh, LGBTQ neighborhood. I um I love Velveteen. I think he is probably, and I I go back to OVW. I think he is probably the best like prospect that they've ever brought in. He's got a ton of potential. He could be a huge, huge star for them if they don't screw it up, which they quite likely will screw up. I'm, 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 I'm almost a hundred percent certain that they're gonna bring him up with like a stereotypical gay gimmick, and he's gonna be dead in the water. I hope not. Um, he's so talented. I hope that he that he would at least be able to like overcome if they did do that. Because the talent would shine through. Like he's got a lot of charisma, so I think he's a guy. We'll that, see. I think he's a guy that if they weren't scripting everything to the to the second these days, that he would be a lot bigger. Yeah, and it just the well, I think he would stand out. But the problem too that we're seeing right now is that they're bringing guys up. I don't know. Maybe it's because just to make space. Uh, and and then it's like, what are you going to do with them? Because they brought sanity and. Um, authors of pain up and what are they doing with them other than authors of pain having like a best of 28 series with uh titus worldwide i think that's kind of been my concern about them bringing the people up to the main roster because they have you know they have these guys in nxt who are doing really well and then they come up to the main roster and they just sit around and don't do anything you would have figured with as high as vince and triple h were on Bobby Roode, when he got called up, that they would have done more with him. But the roster is so full that he just kind of sat around and got stale. And now they've been like, I don't know what we were so happy about. I think he might be okay because they do leave guys down a little longer if they're using them to draw. Because that's why it makes sense. That's why they kept Bailey down for longer because she was there big like ticket item yeah that, i mean that makes sense you want people who can draw on the um you know on your card but it's a uh you know it, it people getting called up to the main roster and i hear people be like oh when are they gonna call this guy up when are they gonna call this guy up? and i'm like don't because whenever they decide to get their broom out and have house cleaning and they release a whole pile of people, then folks are going to be mad and they're going to say, well, this guy shouldn't have been released. It wasn't his fault. He wasn't being used. And it's like, well, when your roster is as deep as this is, you've got people who aren't going to be used. So something's going to happen. Yeah. And now I want to get into a match that I thought is getting way too much praise in some corners of the internet which is Ricochet and Adam Cole. Yeah, we both watched this. Um, I, I'm with you, actually, 100%. I actually I think it was a good match, but people are they're hyping it up to almost be like, this is a match of the year contender, and I don't even feel it was best match on this show. No. Let alone best match that either guy has had, you know, just this calendar year. I think what hurt this match a lot is... I actually think I would have rated this higher if it was for the NXT championship. But the fact that they are trying to work like a slower, big title match feel kind of match 
really didn't work when the North American belt doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. I I can understand them trying to give uh, have a secondary title for guys to fight over, but when NXT isn't that big, like I don't I don't feel you need to do that. Yeah. And I thought like the I thought the go home stretch like after Cole did the knee on to uh, the the suplex into the knee and Ricochet kicked out to the end was really tremendous. But um it was a little slow and it kind of was boring before that. Yeah, I mean I well I wouldn't quite go as far as to say it was boring, but it was just it was fine. But I, the home stretch was good and maybe that's what people are remembering. Uh I will say this, like I I like both guys. I'm not I'm not like, oh my god, both guys, if that makes any sense. There are people who really think that these two are kind of like the the future. Like they're gonna be the next big thing, and that's quite possibly true. I guess I'm not as sold on either one of them, even though I think both have a lot of talent. Um for some reason I was kind of annoyed by by Ricochet in this. Just because I thought they were trying to work that big match style. And so he would be doing... Did you notice this? He would do like these little flourishes that I was like, that's that's kind of annoying me. Like, stop doing it. Like, he'd, yeah. he'd go, like, run to the ropes to maybe, like, do, do a move. Let's say, like, a drop kick or something. He'd do this, like, pause and pose and then run to the ropes. And it's like, you know, it, I don't feel this is the style of match that you're trying to do. Where you're trying to do this, like, big match for the title. Uh, almost like you're trying to steal the main event. And yeah. you're doing all this little like posing and shit. It's like, eh, just get on with it. Yeah, that's I, fine. Like the previous show when he was facing Velveteen, Velveteen Dream, it's like you can do the coolest shit, but not for this. Yeah, and actually, I'll just go into the next match. I thought uh, Sane and Basler was a better match by a lot. Yeah, it was really good, and actually, um, for how it went down, I thought. I thought the ending was actually really done really well. What do you think? I, I liked. Well, I liked that one thing is like their ground look, their groundwork looked like it really hurt, and I liked Sane just having enough of her finally and taking like the fight straight to her and showing that like extra level of aggression. Yeah. The thing that I like most about this is that Baszler obviously lost, and she lost the title. And it kind of did put Sane over in that she she did bring like a lot of fire and a lot of heart. And you could see that she was really working it and really coming back strong. And then at the end of the at the end of the match, she outsmarted Baszler by by turning her own move against her and getting the pinfall. But I still felt that they kept Baszler actually strong. It wasn't she didn't come off like a goofer for being outsmarted and she also didn't come off like she was uh that Sane just like totally walked over her. Like I thought they they did a good job in in showing Sane like outsmarting her and getting the the better of her while also keeping Shayna strong um for a rematch or for bringing her up to the main roster or whatever they're gonna do with her in the in the short term. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of Sane when she wrestled in stardom, but I just want to say here is damn is she good. She and she and Asuka are probably the best By a lot. workers they have. Yeah, and the female female workers, which I guess you know they should be because they come from a system where there's a little more focus on the ring talent versus you know, God forbid I say this, but how pretty they are. But it's just it's just um, 
Her execution is just si- silky smooth. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I I don't want to go down that road, but I think Sane's hot, so we'll we'll keep going. <laughs> She's an attractive woman. Yeah, we can at least it, acknowledge that. It's okay to acknowledge creepy. that. Yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, you have guys on the main roster who are good-looking guys that can work, and then you have guys that look like that they'd go twelve rounds with a grizzly bear and win and can work. Mm-hmm. It, it takes all kinds, is my opinion on it. Yeah, but it's just her execution is w- where you really see the difference between her and like a lot of the women on the main roster is there's no hesitation. Like she just her stuff looks like it hurts. You know, she just like the speeds there. It's just she just it's very crisp. Yeah. But I, I love I'm, this. I thought this was. I don't know if it was the match of the night, but it was close to match of the night. And Saints only, I don't think, she's pretty young still, I think. Let me look. And I think she's, she, I think she's only been doing this a few years. So she's, she's actually. 29. Wow, yeah. And I think she hasn't been around for forever. Eh, six years. That's, years I mean, she's, she's very good for only being around that kind of short length of time i mean when you work joshi though you're working you're working a couple nights a week and the crazy thing is is um is um eo's coming over for the may young classic and she's probably the, uh far and away the best female worker in the world mm-hmm. and like um when that shows up you're going to be seeing a woman that does triple jump moonsaults and things like that. It'll be interesting to see. Um, We also need to give a little shout out. Uh, We also need to give a little shout out as part of our, um, part of our background uh, to uh, Nicole Matthews for being in there. Oh Uh, yeah. My understanding is she even progressed past the first round. So mad props. And, uh, we we probably ought to throw in a link or something like that whenever we post this as well. But um, you know, go you, good job. Yeah, that's cool to get. Do people far. do we tell that story or that a story we should just leave for another? Uh, for the moment, time. I was going to leave it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll leave it for yeah. another time. But one, my personal favorite is actually in the May Young Classic too. Is uh, Hiroyo Matsumoto's in it, and I think people really like her when she um, she shows up. And so the main event time. Um, so I have a really huge complaint with the last two Gargano and Champa matches, which is the lack of blood. Yeah, with the amount of um, heat that that feud carries, it's kind of hard not to have blood in that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want me to really believe these guys hate each other that much, that's that little touch that adds to it. Contrast, looking ahead, contrast to the um, blood we got for uh, Styles Joe, which added to the match, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a blood feud that doesn't have any blood. 
Right. Except for, like, what, a little bit for a match a while back? No, I think that was when um, Ciampa busted himself hard way, like, during one of their scuffles. Oh, okay. But it takes... There's a certain level of gravity you don't get when that you don't have, like... You don't have that. It's it's missing something, yeah. There's There's... Blood being involved evokes a certain amount of intensity, and not having that, I'm also, to be fair, I'm also looking at this feud and going, I thought this feud was done. Um, I thought I thought we had had our resolution to this, and then apparently not. Maybe it's just that these they took a look at each um uh, I, Triple H is booking this, I guess, but he took a look at it and went, you know what, I, um, I've i got this super hot feud on my hands, and you know, I want to use it while it is hot, but it's like it kind of overstated its welcome. Well, they, Maybe it wouldn't have if Aleister Black had been there like originally planned, but... Yeah, I think there was going to be something where Ciampa retained by um, getting Black pinned or something. Or, or Black knocks Gargano out and Ciampa snakes the pin in some fashion. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I, now, I will say, in the positive, I like some of the callbacks they did with this. I liked how they went back to like pulling all the ring stuff off, and this time Gargano got Ciampa instead. I liked, um, I liked Ciampa throwing ring crew at Gargano, which was hilarious. That was amazing. I love that spot. He just he threw tons of stuff. He threw a chair. He threw like a, a, like a guy or two on top of him. Yeah. <laughs> and that was I. I actually I almost laughed out loud at that. Like, but in a good way. Like, I love that spot. And, it was that was tremendous. And I thought the the fire extinguisher sh- uh, spot I thought was genius. Oh yeah, that was a great. Like, I only got to watch the end of the match given the time frame I was working in. I got to see the end of it, but the fact that Gargano pulled momentum back with the fire extinguisher was one of the best uses of a fire extinguisher in a wrestling match I've ever seen, and I know that's super specific. Yeah. So now, my... Yeah, I, oh, go ahead. Well, I no, I just want to say, like, I actually really did enjoy the match. I thought it was a well, it was a very well worked match. It was very well laid out with all of those different spots. Um, I. I we were talking a little bit before the podcast started. I think of of the three matches in this feud, it's probably my least favorite, but that's still not saying much because I think all the matches have been good. Uh, but the ending, I thought, was a little weak. I think, Brad, that's what you wanted to, oh, yeah. to okay. go to. So, the ending... I think the Wiley I think Wiley Coyote would be embarrassed by the trap <laughs> Gargano got himself into. There should have been an Acme sign somewhere yes. floating above. And there should have been the like. I would have thought effect. that you would have had the, you know, that kind of like desperate laugh thing going on that I can't really duplicate. I something like that. Well, they, God, that's embarrassing coming out of my mouth. They they screwed this up on multiple fronts though, so. For starters, they replayed it, and when you saw him go over the box, it didn't really look bad enough to keep him down for a 10 count after the insane amounts of violence they had just, like, extracted upon each other. And then 
Mario was yelling like two seconds later, like he hears he dislocated his knee. Like, how do they freaking know that? Yeah, like I get what on one hand, I get what you're going for. The idea that Gargano is so pissed that he charged him and he hit him and then he harmed himself in the process and he harmed himself in a way that he can't get up. That is a nice twist on a last man standing match. That is a way for a babyface to lose a last man standing match without really harming the babyface in most circumstances. It's far better than the babyface duct taping the heels ankles together around a ring post to win. Yeah. But God, that still burns me up years later. But here's the thing. It made Gargano look like an idiot to do this. Like he's got Ciampa there and the ref is already counting, right? Like the ref was up to eight when Gargano charged him. That was my problem. And he didn't even try anything to like, okay, this spot would have been okay if like, like let's say Ciampa gets up at nine and Gargano just attacks him with like elbow after elbow after elbow and then, like, gets him down again and starts kneeing him in the head, and Ciampa won't go down, and then he goes for that, and it blows up in his face. Like, okay, like, there was a desperation to that because he couldn't get him down, but he just did it. Yeah, okay. How did... Bear in mind, how did Ciampa get to his feet at the end? He just scooted off the stage, right? Which, to me, I didn't realize that that was even possible until he did it. Let's say he's right there, and the ref's at, like, eight, and Gargano's looking at him. And Ciampa, like, slips off the stage to do it. That's when Gargano charges him. That I would buy. But not just, like, Gargano's like, I'm going to win, but I'm going to hit this guy first. You know, it it made him look it, stupid. It made him look dun- dumb, especially, like, when he started going back. I'm like, oh, he's going to miss, crash and burn and lose. Or they're both going to get counted out. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. The... I don't know. It's it reminds me of like when Wiley Coyote would get the catapult to shoot himself out of and then it would just like all flip over on him. That's pretty much what happened there. Yeah, because it didn't have the crossbar to stop the catapult arm. So it would just slam him into the ground. Yep, pretty much. You know what? They yeah. You know what they should have used? What we should have heard? We should have heard um, the Wilhelm Wilhelm scream. Remember that, <laughs> that classic? Here, I, I got it. I actually, yeah. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yep and then he just he flies over hits his knee i look i think we all kind of agree like conceptually it was a, a clever way to to do an ending for this that still kind of made both guys look strong but i think the execution wasn't great and it did kind of it was kind of like it did leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth why didn't after they, what was otherwise i thought was a good match why didn't they like why didn't they do this why didn't they they already set up the mystery attacker for Alistair Black. Why didn't they have him, like, say he was going to go backstage, like, show him, like, looking for something, go off screen, have that mystery attacker beat him up, and then suddenly he's backstage just out, and the ref counts him out, and, you know, Ciampa's, you know, has managed to get up in the interim. At least then he doesn't look as stupid. Yeah, it, there there are ways. Okay, like we said, in, in concept, it's it's good, right? Like that's a that's a decent way to end it, except in this setting. So it's it's a good idea that was misapplied, I think would be a good way to say it. I also think it was bad 
on the heels of their last match where he also looked like an idiot. I don't like baby faces looking stupid as a way to um, have them lose. It, it, it bothers me because, first of all, it's I think that it's lazy. I think that it's lazy because it's a way that we couldn't figure out how to have a good finish on this, so we're just going to have the baby face be stupid. And then second, I don't like the idea of the of proving Dark Helmet correctly. It's like, now you know that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. Okay, most people don't think of themselves as evil. Unless you're like that one edgelord kid at the D&D table who's like, every every test I take comes up as chaotic evil. It's like, good. Why are you in my house? Um, <laughs> most people don't think of themselves as that way. They want to think that they have some like good in them, right? Like somewhere. So I don't like whenever they do that to have a baby face lose. That's a really long way of saying it. I'm sorry about that. Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. Pretty much. Exactly. If Siampa had said that after the match, yeah, I feel like that that would have pretty much just put the exclamation point on it. I do think I do think the way they get out of this is you take Gargano off till about January and then you have him come back and just say, "Look, I've been dumb. Like I'm not doing any more of this like hardcore stuff. We're having a straight up wrestling match." And then he beats him in a straight up wrestling match to win the title is his redemption arc. Yeah, that would that that's a really good idea for Gargano. If if I'm Johnny Wrestling, then I'm not Johnny Street Fight. You know, I want to prove you're not actually good enough to beat me at wrestling, which is what that title on your shoulder is for. It's a wrestling title. You're not good enough to beat me at wrestling. That would be great. I I do think they should keep them apart um, for a while. Well, I think they wrote. I think they're they're. They're trying to kayfabe sell that Gargano's injured, so I think he's going to miss some time. I think that's good. Like like I said back in our Creator Wrestler episode, that is something I would try and build in for a lot of guys. Is for, if for no other reason than that way, they can have an opportunity to take a break and rest up and heal up from all those like nagging little injuries that happen. I think it's a great idea to do that. Yeah, I think so. But overall, I think this was a good show. Um, by takeover standards, it's probably a middle-of-the-pack show. Nothing outstanding, but I had fun with it. I almost missed the first hour because they changed to 7 o'clock for some reason. You got nothing I for you on that. Yeah, I watched this like after the fact, like a couple hours, two, two, three hours after the fact. So I guess people even showed up late because they didn't know it was at seven. Oh, people at the show. Yeah. Wow, oh, that's uh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that's. Oh no! Why is uh, why is the crowd in completely empty? I, one thing. Oh, I, did did we not put it on the tickets, guys? I think they changed it. I don't know. I will say, and this goes for SummerSlam. They need to get this out of Brooklyn next year because this crowd. Both of these crowds sucked. 
I don't know uh, that I hated the SummerSlam crowd, but it's not the... I don't like having the, everything in front of the same crowd all the time. SummerSlam crowd was a little... There was a couple times that they were a little... They're going to, into business for themselves where I thought it was a little like, ugh, come on. When they were chanting, with, like, uh, after Joe Styles, when they were chan- chanting, uh, like, who's your daddy? It's like, nah, I get you think I'm that's I'm going to be honest. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought... I thought oh, st- it was kind of funny. But it- st- they, Styles smartly, smartly ended that when he went back for that extra shot on Joe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... It, it not letting him have the last... We'll get to that one. We'll my to my that big takeaway but- from this show is... I now love the B team after their promo with um, the Miz during the show. <laughs> I now love them. I've never loved either of those guys, but that promo was genius. Like I don't, I don't know what it was, but I'm like, I love these guys now. What was it? The um... they're like the B team stands for Daniel Bryan. Yeah, and they're oh. talking about how they're they're going to have their own reality show called uh, Total Fellas. Yes. <laughs> But with a B, so for Brian, so they'll be total bell, total bellows. I don't remember what they were chanting either. They were chanting something, and I thought it was—I just thought it was hilarious. I like the fact that we have. Weren't they doing like a cheerleader um thing? Yeah, like like be aggressive or something yes, like yes. that. It was it, it was funny. I like the fact that we have a tag team set of tag team champions that are like really happy to be the tag team champions. Um, you know they're they're excited for the fact that they're the tag champions. They're happy whenever they successfully defend. Like you know they're just really happy for it, and I like that. So I didn't get to see the pre-show, and I didn't feel like going back and watching it. Did um any of you guys watch any of it? I saw two thirds of the matches. Anything notable? So, <clears throat> I was gonna say well, pass. <laughs> I saw. Um, let's see. What were the the pre-show matches? Um, Let me look. Almost, almost in Vega versus Rusev and Lana. Cedric Alexander oh boy. versus Drew Gulak. Okay, I, I saw that. That was awful. It was perfectly. It was fine when um, it was almost in Rusev. It wasn't anything special. It's just like a, it's basically like a TV match, but it was okay while they were in there. Mm-hmm. And then it was. Uh, and then they they did mixed tag rules where it's like it, once you tag in the opposite gender person that then the opposite gender person comes in so it's like you know if the guys tags the girl the other girl has to come in so it, once it was Lana and Zelina Vega in there it, it got real bad because Lana has no business I didn't know Vega being either. inside well wasn't Vega was a wrestler in TNA right was she let me look yeah, I think she was Rosita, I think. I think? Oh, yeah, she was. She, I think she's part of LAX. I want to say. Yeah, she probably was. She's probably like when they had like um, that really weird offshoot one. When it was I think like, she was part of I think it was like when it was like Anarchy and Hernandez or some like weird offshoot like that. She was either a part of LAX. Yeah, she was LAX. I see a picture of her with uh, Hernandez and some other dude. Okay, because otherwise that would have been like almost borderline racist for me just to assume that she was part of like the Spanish faction. But um, I actually, I I think she probably has at least some skills, but Lana does not. 
wise no. should not be in there at all. I don't and know. It, it was really bad. I don't understand why they're so dead set on having Lana be an active wrestler. I mean, it was she was amazing. Well, I think as a manager, it was the SmackDown. The SmackDown women's roster is kind of thin. Okay, but does that mean that Lana, who doesn't even have a year under her belt, is not going to make that better? I thought if you want to make it better, turn around to some of these folks in the Mae Young Classic that you really like and be like, "Hey, look." We're wanting to beef up our SmackDown Women's Division. Are you interested? I thought it was cute, like when she challenged um, Naomi once or twice. But like, it, it was it was cute, like as a limited thing. Like she kind of worked hard, and it was just an easy title defense, and like it told a story. But like this continued use of her just baffles me. I I don't. I don't like it, especially since it's not letting her use her strengths. No. I mean, at least she's with Rusev again. Yeah. They go back to the formula that was working, but, you know. Anyway, um, other pre-show matches, uh, Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak. I saw that. Cruiserweight title. I saw that, and that was actually a very good match. Um, Drew Gulak really like was was hard in this. Like he he was uh, really coming off strong, and it was a, it was a very good match. The problem is that just like mo- with most any of the uh, cruiserweight or two of five live matches, like no one like the crowd doesn't care. Matt, you want to have your mind blown? Sure. Uh, Drew Gulak is formerly known as Soldier Ant. <laughs> wow. What? He was one of the ants? Yeah, he was Soldier Ant. Wow, that does look And then um I know he did a bunch of stuff with CZW, but I didn't realize he was actually one of the the ants. Orange Orange That's crazy. Orange Cassidy is Fire Ant. If you ever seen Orange Cassidy. I don't think I have. He's funny. He does I'm like still, a sleepy gimmick. I'm still stuck on Drew Gulak with Soldier Ant. Yeah, if you go, oh my god! Look at look at a picture of um Soldier Ant. Like their shoulder and arms are all the same, but yeah, there he was Soldier Ant before he like branched off. That's crazy. It shows his range anyway, too, like as a as a worker, because Soldier Ant and Drew Gulak do not work that similar to one another. <laughs> they are not. They are not the same thing. Wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, this was this was actually a very good match. Um, ending I was a little wonky. I forget exactly like uh, I forget exactly what happened, but it, it seems like Gulak took uh, Cedric's finisher kind of oddly. But that was like a minor quibble in a match that otherwise was pretty good. Cool. I might go back and okay. watch that one. I like Drew Gulak. And then the the last pre-show match was the B team defeating the Revival. Um, yeah, I didn't. I did not see that. On one hand, and like I said, I like the B team. I like that they're happy and excited to be tag champions. On the other hand, I would love to see the Revival start getting some, you know, getting some credible time to do what they're good at. 
but they gotta stay healthy for I think a little longer before they get um they get they get trusted. Well, then then I will hold out hope for it uh, in the future. And thus ends the pre-show when we enter the main SummerSlam card. Uh, first match on the card: Seth Rollins with Dean Ambrose, so, now sh- short hair Dean Ambrose, versus Dolph Ziggler with Drew McIntyre. So, um, the entrances were really bizarre for this because it was almost like uh, Drew McIntyre was the one like wrestling. You know, I appreciated the fact that it's like the show is starting. Like, welcome to SummerSlam. Here's the music. We're getting going. And then, like, they didn't waste any time on that. My wife said um, that Dean Ambrose looks more like a dad than a crazy lunatic now, and she did not find him to be as hot. I maybe. Like, at, even at the time, I, I kind of liked the shaggy hair thing he did. I thought it made him look a little more unkempt and wild. With him having it cut short and him doing the, like, Kubrick stare all the time, that is intimidating. But I just don't I don't care for it as much. Yeah, he doesn't look older. Of course, he also looks bigger, too. He's looking real jacked, baby. Yeah, they always come back looking jacked, though, because they can actually work out. Yeah, I will say that um, that's true. Seth Rollins' attire made me want to root against him. With the uh, the, the one leg the being Thanos gold. scare, yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, realize it was Thanos, and his leg was the Infinity Gauntlet until someone told me. See, I, I, when I went back to watch it, I, I kind of skipped over. I was like, "Oh, entrance, skip ahead a little bit. Entrance, skip ahead a little bit." So I could go ahead and watch the match. I couldn't decide. Like I was like, I don't know if I do or don't like this golden foot thing because that's the, that's what he uses to throw his knee strikes, and that's what he uses to do his curb stomp. It also frustrates me that they just one of the premier guys on the roster, and they call his finish quote the stomp. It it really stood out to me how. Um how not over Seth Rollins was comparatively to how he was a couple months ago because they've killed him with this program. Well, he's, um, well, that, that's that, at least for the moment, that's not a concern, but we'll get into that later. Um, so Ziggler and Rollins have what, like the sixth televised match in two months or something. It's something absurd like that. Yeah. Uh, that was Go. kind of going into this match. It's kind of like that's that was kind of our criticism that a lot of these matches had already been done before. Yeah. So we're they're not fresh. We're seeing them for like the sixth or seventh time. Yeah. And I and so they want to do novel things in it. I just don't like Ziggler anymore. Like there was a point where Ziggler was probably a top five guy on their roster for me, and then about the time he started cosplaying eighties hair bands, I really turned on him, and he's never won me back. I think Ziggler's fine. Um, the unfortunate thing is that they've had opportunities when Ziggler was hot to really do something with him, and they just didn't. And so I figure now he's kind of like, well, then I'm, I'm going to just do my thing. Um, 
I think Ziggler can go. I really appreciate Ziggler selling. I think it looks really good. Um, this match, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was particularly standout. I thought it was fine. They had the novelty spot of Rollins doing the inverted superplex, which kind of made my balls hurt to watch. Uh, I, I had a problem with... Um, okay, so there's a couple problems I had with this match. I didn't like that they kind of wasted the first eight minutes doing mat work that you knew was going to not do anything because they were going to go into super saying like, we're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at each other. So, it, and that works in some matches, but this, it felt unnecessarily fillery in this. And then it really, it, it drove me, it, it angered me when Ziggler kicked out of that, that superplex Falcon arrow thing. Mm-hmm. He should have been dead. Like he literally should have been a splat on the mat after that. I mean, it was cool, but he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have kicked out of it. It bugged me. I have seen that kind of thing elsewhere before. Of the like, do a super cool spot, and that doesn't get the pin, so I do my finish and it gets the pin. I haven't ever really cared for it. Um, I worked a show at a. Okay, it was at a county fair, and so they had it underneath this, um, the ring was set up under this uh, shelter, right, Mm -hmm. that had a decently high ceiling to it, but it had the, um, I guess, rafters, Uh, not really the right term, but, you know, your, your, your roof support struts were up there, and so as part of it, one of the guys, both of them were really athletic, and one of the guys, in order to avoid something, jumps from the top rope and grabs that beam. And so he's hanging there to avoid the thing, except now he's hanging there and he doesn't know what to do. And he's like, uh, uh. And the other guy looks at him, runs over, springboards off the top, and spears him off of it, and they go to the mat. And he gets a two count, and then he picks him up and hits his finish and gets a three. And after the matchup, you know, they were both like, much more veteran than me, but I was like, um, can I ask you a question? He goes, go ahead. I was like, why didn't you guys just finish after the thing? And he goes, yeah, we should have. Kind of the same thing, right? You know, why why, why not just finish with that big spot? Or, or get a little closer to the ropes, and instead of kicking out, get your foot on the rope. That one may have just ended up due to weird positioning i I think they're going because you can kick out but well i'm giving the benefit of the doubt sometimes you can be doing that stuff and the idea is you're going to get your foot on the rope and then you find that you're not close enough Oh, and then you're hosed and you're like oh hell you you know what i and so you know what i hate and it happened about three times this weekend and hd makes it worse is I hate when they're going for that submission spot and they're trying to get in the ropes, trying to get in the ropes, and they have to do that. Oh, well, they could get their leg there, but they just won't extend it properly to pretend like they can't get there so they can slide over for the arm. That one was driving they, Where they're doing it precisely for the camera kind of thing. Yeah, and you can tell, like, if they would just stretch... If they would even just make a slight attempt to, like, stretch their leg forward, they'd be there, but they... They have to go for the more dramatic arm, and it's just like, ugh, whatever. Because Carmella did it. It happened in yeah. the same Baszler match, and then there was another match that happened in two where I was just like, just stretch your leg out. But It was 
Um, it's it's frustrating. Like I get why they do that because visually it's more appealing that you're just stretching to get your fingers there. But I mean, come on, look, it, it wouldn't hurt anything to look cagey if you just like swing your leg and hook it. Yeah. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, that's a fairly minor quibble, really. It depends on the situation. Sometimes it's okay, but the. The the camera and the the camera work in this show is especially poor. Let's just get that out of the way. Some of it was and some of it wasn't. Yeah, there's one um, thing I like that I need to remember to mention later. Okay. Um so Matt, what did you think about this match? I like it probably better than Brad did. Um it I thought it was good. It was a good match. But it, it's just something we'd already seen before. So mm-hmm. It was kind of there. Um, I didn't think it was bad, though. It, it was. I wasn't. Like, I feel like it was a waste of my time. It's just. Yeah. It was just kind of there. I thought it was decent. It, I probably would have enjoyed it a little more if we hadn't already seen it a bunch of times. But didn't we get uh, to see um, Ambrose pull a pretty cool reversal into his into the dirty deeds on the outside on uh, McIntyre? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was nice. I, I couldn't remember if it was from that or if it was from Raw, but. I mean, but we'll I, get to raw. <laughs> I I don't know what the long term strategy is, but I I do kind of hope at some point they have McIntyre break away because I think there's a lot of potential there for him to be a main I, I, guy. And I, yeah. right now he's kind of just treading water as like Dolph second. But I kind of figured that that was the him running rolling with Dolph was kind of his reintroduction to the main roster, so that they didn't get backlash on him again. Yeah. Is, he comes up with Dolph. He's acting as Dolph's second and his enforcer. And then, yes, Kitty, I know. And then, uh, sorry, guys. Um, does your cat have strong? Does your cat have strong opinions on Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler? She she um, she doesn't like uh, Drew McIntyre. Um, she uh, she told me that her problem was that he had his chance, and and my cat is not big on second chances. She's a uh, she's like. <laughs> Yeah, a brass ring kind of cat. I hear your um, cat doesn't like the Scottish either. What in the hell is she doing in my house then? <laughs> but um, it, it's, you know, I thought the match was fine. This is kind of a vehicle to get Drew McIntyre reintroduced with everybody, and then they'll do the feud where Drew breaks away from Dolph, and Dolph will be like, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me, and then Drew kicks him in the face, and everyone's like, hey, you kicked Dolph Ziggler in the face, and he goes on to do other things. Yeah. I've heard that cats and Scots are natural enemies. (laughs) Are they really? (laughs) That's a really obscure reference that I'm making. I'm making a Simpsons joke. Oh. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so the next match on the card was the New Day, specifically Big E and Xavier Woods, versus the Bludgeon Brothers. In my opinion, this match was a lot of fun. Um, you got to see you got to see a really fast paced kind of thing going on, and I thought it was a good time. Uh, Matt, why don't you give us your thoughts? Yeah, this was actually a really fun match. Um, New Day and Bludgeon Brothers, they have, they have actually a pretty good chemistry together. Um, maybe partly that was because Big E just went crazy in this. 
um, both with power moves and actually doing stuff like uh, the spear through the ropes, which was insane. Um, I, know, I hoped he had given up on doing that because there was a stretch for like six months. He'd do that and it looked like he died every time he did it. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're you're doing it with big guys who are strong enough to catch you when you're yeah. like, well, however big he is. Um, but I thought this was really good. Like, it was really entertaining. Um, I, You know, not that I've never... Dis- I've never disliked him. Um, I actually kind of always enjoyed him, um, especially when he be- became part of the New Day and they've been more baby faces. But I can kind of see where Brad... Your your take on on Biggie kind of being like a main event guy or or them heavily pushing him because I think he's got a lot of talent and he's got a ton of charisma and I would be really curious to see them give him some sort of push that way. I don't feel like they've really done it yet. No, and he should do it. He should do it as part of the new day and as as a face. But like I think this, yeah, absolutely. I think this match especially. And I think even, I think even Xavier could do more. Oh yeah, I'm totally on board the Xavier Woods train doing single stuff. Like all three of those guys, I think are good enough to reliably do single stuff, and and be successful at it. But like, Big E throwing them around was like really satisfying. Yep. And there was a real flare and fire to it. And it was also understated, but um, Xavier doing the the elbow off the top rope onto the floor was really good as well. Oh, yeah. That was a spot that I completely forgot about until you mentioned just now. It was impressive. Where he's just like, oh, the guy moved, and he's just like, eh, fuck it, I'm doing it anyway, and he went to the floor. Like, was really good. (laughs) Yeah. That was... That reminds me of... um, I saw from the... I didn't see the match, but I saw the spot for the finish of Velveteen Dream doing the the flying elbow to um, Ricochet laying on the the apron, which on one hand you look at it and you're like, oh God, a flying elbow to the floor. And then you're like, wait a minute, that's not exactly a flying elbow to the floor. You, you, You land on your feet and you drop the elbow on the other guy. And then I thought, damn, I wish I'd thought of that spot. <laughs> but that's not what Xavier did. Xavier pulled on like a cactus jack plus doing that noise this is this is the match where i was like oh maybe this show has some potential because this was it i was i was disappointed that 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 it actually didn't have some more time to it because i could have gone for some more crazy outside of the ring stuff matt you look like you were gonna say something uh yeah um I agree. The match was like ten minutes long. It wasn't. They didn't give it zero time, but it was just. It was fun. These these both of these uh, these teams were really clicking with each other, and just as we're talking about, you know, pushing New Day guys, we've kind of mentioned this before when we're talking about Luke Harper. But Luke Harper is actually a guy. Now that I think about it, like I would love to see them give him like a a good run as a singles. I know they're doing the tag team with him right now, but. They kind of were flirting with that a, a bit when they were breaking up the Wyatt family, but he's such a talented guy. Oh, yeah. He's a really good big man, and he can move really well. He's He's got a lot of agility. Like I would love to see them do more with him eventually. Oh, sure. That, yeah, I'm 
love Harper stuff. He does a great job. Apparently, he's super popular backstage too. Yeah, because he's just a really good guy. And you know, Rowan impresses me as well as part of the Bludgeon Brothers because those guys seem to like bring out. They work well. To, they work really well together, and they like bring out more from each other too. Yeah, Rowan's actually improved a lot, as, at least as a tag team wrestler. Yeah, he has. He's not. He's still not great as a, a single, but he he seems to have at least the tag team stuff down. There's a lot. There's a lot to be said for being a good tag wrestler too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, oh, there's plenty of guys who've made an entire career, a very successful career in wrestling, out of it. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted to. I kind of wanted to do that. I just couldn't ever find anybody that I could regularly get to tag with me. <laughs> not after. Uh, not after the guy that brought me in retired. So you know what this match needed? This match needed furniture. <laughs> I was just, it needed some plunder. Yes, and I'm thinking about it. I know they'd have to extend it out, but this is a TLC would be amazing. Ooh. The next pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell, I don't, which I was going to bring back up later. I don't think it'd be a good Hell in a no, Cell match. This, These guys need room to move. This needs room to work. This needs broken bits of like table like busted chairs like all over the ring and just humanity everywhere. Yeah. Oh man, this could be like Wow, that there's so much potential in this. Like I said, this the this doesn't need blood. This needs this needs plunder, like Matt said. You know, it's interesting when we we were we were giving our, our preview look at it, we were kinda looking at this man, are we doing this again? But they did such a good job. I'm totally turned around. If these guys just go ballistic on each other for another month or two. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, The next match we had was a marathon. It was, uh, you know, just, gosh, the the endurance of both of the guys to be in it. It was a singles match for the Money in the Bank contract between Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. If Strowman was disqualified or counted out, he also lost the contract. This match went for a grand total of one minute and 50 seconds. And somehow Kevin Owens managed to die in the process. <laughs> I, I guess it's nice that Owens has, you know, something to do. Owens, ever since he got called up to the main roster, has been consistently involved in notable feuds. But I don't know, maybe this is him putting over somebody... After after you know consistently holding titles and stuff for a while, but he just kind of I don't know if I were Kevin Owens I don't in character I don't know that I would want to be involved anymore I might just be like I I don't I, I don't want none no more. I think this is uh, this is probably Kevin Owens settling into like that secondary level for a while. Okay. Which is probably a good place for him because he I think he needs to cycle down a little bit. And be in some secondary storylines for a little while, freshen up a bit. Sure. That was a big thing in the Attitude Era. You had so many guys that could cycle into the main event, then they could also cycle down and do some some lower key stuff, which was good. Then you know you had this believable stable of guys that you could move to the top if something happened or you wanted to switch it up. So. Yeah, this was what it was. It was just a quick squash. I was fine with that. 
It was a bigger, it was a quicker squash than I would have thought. I actually was kind of terrified that they were going to have Braun lose the the money in the bank briefcase because uh-huh. they, when they, when they started adding, well, then they had a step that if Braun lost in any sort of way, yeah, yeah. Okay, That's, yeah, it's that I guess was ultimately a red herring, but it seems like that that's what they're leading to that somehow him losing. That's usually what happens when they add one of those super specific stipulations. Like years ago when they had the triple threat match for and it was it's a falls count anywhere or submissions count anywhere too, I guess. And Daniel you're like, well, Daniel Bryan's winning and Daniel Bryan won. Um you know, usually whenever they get that specific, whoever benefits from that will win. Yeah. Or when um, The Rock pinned Vince McMahon to win the title from Triple H. What was the stipulation on that? I think anyone who pinned anyone in that six man won the title and Vince and The Rock pinned Vince McMahon. Even though Vince wasn't a competitor in the match, oh no! It was, it was, no, it was like, it was like The Rock, Undertaker, and Kane, I think, versus Triple H, Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon or something. I don't know. It's 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 been a long ass time since I've seen that. That was what? That was two thousand, wasn't it? I don't know. All I'm thinking is, you look at one side of that ring and you look at the other side of that ring, and you go, "How do you think that's going to turn out?" Let me look. I know because it was King of the Ring 2000. I think. Let's look here. Was it? Yeah. Okay. King of the Ring kind of seemed to have a history of having screwy stuff going on. I always liked the King of the Ring itself. It seemed like a great vehicle to to start someone's rise to the top, or to do a test run with them and see how well the crowd reacts whenever they do that. But I don't know. It seems like they kind of lost sight of that uh, for the last few years they were doing it. Oh, I had it right. It was The Rock, Undertaker, and Kane against uh, Vince and Shane McMahon and Triple H. And then um, so he pinned Vince to win the championship. I guess the tension in the match is which of The Rock, Taker, or Kane is going to get away with the pin. Let's see. I'm just looking at... I don't know. So this that, that quarterfinals. Rikishi beat Chris Benoit. Val Venus beat Eddie Guerrero. Crash Holly defeated Bull Buchanan. Kurt Angle defeated Chris Jericho. Then Rikishi beat Val Venus. Then Kurt Angle defeated Crash. Then Kurt, oh, that was the King Kurt thing, wasn't it? Kurt then defeated Rikishi. <laughs> Then DX defeated the... Du- oh, that was Road Dog and X-Pac defeated the Dudley... Bo- oh, that was that awful push. And then mm-hmm. Edge and Christian defeated Too Cool, the Hardys, and then TNA. Okay. I ordering that's... that show, actually. That's, that's a... Okay, that's a weird line. <laughs> anyway, uh, Braun Strowman beat Kevin Owens in pretty short order. With the running power slam, I'm kind of surprised they haven't given Braun's running power slam a goofy name yet. But maybe they'll leave well enough alone. How much do you think uh, Braun pawned that um, Saudi Arabia belt for? You think he pawned it? Oh, I forgot that that was a thing. I mean, what else are you going to do with that thing? 
Well, actually, here's a here's a potentially controversial opinion. Why don't they why don't the next uh, at the next uh, Saudi Arabia pay per view? It's King of the Ring. Oh, there you. Go. They like okay. they like monarchs over there, right? They're king. <laughs> they still have a they still have a king, or would that be dangerous? Because there can only be one royal family, and they would potentially think they're like mocking them. I don't know. It actually that, might be not safe for the, the WWE. Maybe they should not do that. Maybe though. maybe Braun just comes out to the ring with it and goes, I am the Saudi Arabian champion and no one has beaten me for it. Never how long since the last time we were here. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, I, I would guess he still has it, but you know, it's probably just sitting at the bottom of his gym bag. I don't know. Okay. Next match on the card. They keep adding titles, so why not? Why not that one? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I, I just saw. I saw they're crowning like the NXT UK Women's Champion. It's like okay. There's gonna be UK uh, tag team champions too. Yeah, of course there are. It's like is that even gonna be like a? Is that gonna be like a show? Yes, gonna because they have air um, on the network. They hired Johnny Saint to be like the on-screen commissioner for it. Well, in terms of guys, like that's you can't get much better than him. But it sounds like it's going to be. It's, what is this? Is this really just? Is it really just like progress wrestling? Yeah, it's, that it's they, pretty much they signed all the progress people, and then it's going to be, you know, in a bigger venue. I think. Hmm. Well, let's hang on just a second. I mean, that's what I would guess. I, that's that's it seems like all the people they signed. I mean, I know they didn't get some of them because that World of Sports signed up some other ones, but I'm pretty sure they hmm. just ruined the UK independent scene for the sake of this. Well, that's that's. I mean, I was excited for this last year, but then they didn't do anything with it for a long time, so I'm not quite as excited for it. Like, I'm gonna like. I mean, I like Mustache Mountain. I like Dune. And I like a lot of the other guys they signed, but we'll see. I just can't help but laugh at the name Mustache Mountain. That's, but it, it yeah, yeah to, thought, to do something like that and then never like do anything with it. To take a step back, I thought that the moose, uh, the mustache moose, that's about to say moustache, moustache mountain. <laughs> um, I, thought, <laughs> I thought the tag match at the at takeover was actually pretty good. I thought they should. Um, I didn't think it was, I thought they should have won, personally. Yeah, I I thought I actually didn't think that tag title match was as good as the one from the previous takeover where it was um undisputed era versus what was it? Uh Oni Lorcan and yeah. Danny Perks. But uh, I thought it was good. I thought Tyler Bate was super impressive, but he was like deadlifting both guys basically. He doesn't look like he should be able to do that either. He's a built guy, but he's also like He's like 20. He looks like he's Yeah, and he he looks like he's like 5 foot 6, but he um, um he worked they they were the Chikara champs for a while. Oh yeah? Yeah. Like last year. I was gonna say I'm not a Kyle O'Reilly guy, he bugs me. Hmm. But that's for another time. Alright. The next match on the card is the one that would that would probably elicit the most discussion out of um out of the car, or second most, perhaps. Um, we had the SmackDown Women's title match, a three-way of Carmella, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair. Boy, I called this one right, didn't I? Yeah, you sure did. Um, 
you could just feel it coming from about the second minute in onward that that's what's that's what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting thought. Apparently, the reason that everybody wants the SmackDown to Women's Championship is you get a massive buff if you're the champion, because like Carmella was dominating this match. Consider who she's in there with. She should not be dominating this match, but there she was. So, so is is this uh, this? Do you get the same power level buff that um, Charlotte's boobs appeared to have gotten buffed? Okay. I thought that Charlotte's stuff was just a straight charisma buff as opposed to like a, like a strength dex con buff that the belt gave you. But I was very perplexed because I'm just like, uh, I was like, is she going to pop out of her, her yeah, stuff? Yeah, it, 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 looked, <laughs> it looked very different than her gear used to look, didn't it? Yes. Um... Which I didn't think was necessary, but would you say she looked smaller in NXT? <laughs> Let's not go down that road, Dave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, that's a uh... well. Looked, in any event, she looked. I'm making a reference for people who are not informed. I'm making a, a reference to something that happened online that we a uh, discussion we we don't want to wade remotely <laughs> into those waters without. Jimming yeah, all sorts of controversy for ourselves. Okay, aside from my joke about her implants, um, she looked. I was very perplexed by her appearance because I don't know. She just looked weird. It's it's not what we were used to. Yeah, uh, looking like, but okay. So, you know, Charlotte also, wins, right? Carmella do something to her face? Like, her face... Like, her mouth is... I don't remember her mouth being so weird. I have no good idea of what to say here, so I will just say nothing. Okay. <laughs> I was just... I was very... I was very confused watching this match. It, the thing, okay, obviously, since we've already said it, um, Charlotte comes away with the win. And they do this thing where Becky's like, I'm so happy for you, I'm glad you won. And then Becky, you know, kind of flips her lid on it. Because, you know, this whole thing happened. Becky, like, went on a tear, won a bunch of matches in order to get the match for the title. And then Charlotte's like, Hey, I want to be in that too. And beat Carmel in a non-title match. And suddenly she's in there as well. So Becky flips out and beats the living piss out of Charlotte after the match, like full on, like Steve Austin style. Oh, hell no. Kind of stuff. And the crowd went nuts. Yeah, it was to thunderous applause, basically. Yeah, and they were it, like, they were booing the shit out of that hug. Well, yeah, they're doing that, and they're like, "No, no, no, Becky, don't be a doormat, don't be like that." And then Becky is like, flips out and beats the crap out of Charlotte, and everybody in the building is like, "You go, Becky, you know, kick her ass, do it." So, do you think? And do you think this is a heel turn or a not heel turn? They, judging by, well, Matt, you go ahead, go first. So, 
for people who who follow Dave Meltzer uh, on Twitter, he was making the argument that this was not a heel turn, that the, the WWE just had a perfect understanding of the crowd, and that this was this was exactly the reaction that they wanted, um, and that this was he doesn't think this is a heel turn. Now I guess we'll have to see what they do like on SmackDown to see if if they kind of play it up as a heel turn or not. I kind of feel like it was supposed to be a heel turn. And that's probably because like after after she did put the beating on Charlotte, uh the announcers didn't style it as like, well, you know, Becky just had was fed up, like what is this going to mean for their friendship, blah blah blah. They went into the whole uh serious voice where it's like, oh, like Becky really hurt Charlotte like we're, we're very concerned about Charlotte's welfare and it's like they don't they seem to do that when it's like a heel turn they don't do that when yeah. it's like oh these two friends yeah so I think I look not to be like overly critical of the WWE because I think overall like we, we did really like the show but I I don't always exactly think that they have the pulse I, I I'm less sangu- sanguine about however you pronounce that word about than Dave Meltzer is about how they read the crowd so I, I can feel like this was Vince or somebody else in the back thinking that this is, is supposed to be a heel turn when they don't really understand that it's and, people wanted Becky to win. Yeah, and, and yeah. here's the thing I would argue. I, I'm not sure how... I kind of don't think it was a heel turn because it makes sense to not be a heel turn, but mm. I also don't put their anything past them being tone deaf because... Remember when they did this with Bailey and it was supposed to be a heel turn and it had the opposite effect of it got people on her side because everyone was just happy to see her sticking up for herself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I would also yeah. I'm in complete agreement. And I would also argue that if you really had the pulse of the room, you would have had Becky win here and then just have Charlotte win it on SmackDown. And then do or it. just have Charlotte turn. Yeah. If you're gonna have a heel out of this, Charlotte's better as a heel. And I, like, I do have a big problem with this. Is Becky should have stolen the title belt <laughs> after she beat her up. She should have just been like, you know what, I'm taking the belt too. That if she had done that, then I think the requirement would have been that she comes out on SmackDown, cracks open two cans of Guinness, and like pours them in her mouth. And like flips up her her pinky fingers to the crowd or something like that. I don't know. Uh, that seems a very stone cold thing to do. I you know what I endorse Becky as stone cold drinking Guinness. <laughs> that actually would be a lot of fun. That well, I think Guinness is a mite bit thicker than the Bud Light that Stone Cold was usually drinking. But yeah, you can't really chug Guinness. So I do have some I do have some minor complaints about the match itself. I thought they had Carmella in control way too much. And her her putting them in chin locks and rest holds is really stupid in a triple threat setting where you're leaving yourself open to attack. And from just a working standpoint, that's what's getting knocked to the floors for if you need to rest. I agree logically, but I guess um, my take on Carmella is that for this match was that this was actually probably like the best match I've seen her in. She was at least like trying really hard. Yeah, she was trying really hard, and I didn't think she was terrible in it. I thought she wasn't. You know, she was. She was doing decently. I thought she wasn't to the level of the other people. 
that's true. But she, I, I did feel like she, I didn't, I don't think, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think she'd actually detract from the, the match. I actually like this match quite a yeah. bit. And I have to say, the match was pretty good. I just thought that the, the finish was wrong. I have to say, I like Charlotte. I like Charlotte quite a bit, and I think people are too hard on her. But I totally get the backlash in this situation because they made a really bad choice in how they handled it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's also kind of the, the whole thing where she she lost a no, she beat Asuka and then and lost to Carmella, where she dropped the title, and then has largely been off camera for a few months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously behind the scenes, of course, because she had some medical issues, but. It, well, the coming, thing with her dad too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then coming back, it's like boom, she's automatically in in the main event. Of, well, not obviously the main event, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. for the she's fighting for the women's title and winning it when they had built up Becky. So people are kind of like, you know, what what's this garbage? So it, it, it was an understandable reaction from the crowd. I also think, Charlotte was acting like a heel in order to get into this match. Let's be honest. And I also think people knew this was going to happen, but they were hoping against hope. Um, and be naive about what was going to happen. and I fall in that category. Yeah. I totally do. I'll admit it. Because um, you've got... You have Becky Lynch, who is so over that every time she comes out, people flip out. She's so over that she gets giant lines waiting for her at conventions for signings and stuff. You know, how do you not capitalize on this? Because they, they, they don't. She's not supposed to be that over. This is like their mo with these situations. I mean, look at Rusev. Rusev is a good analog to Becky. Yeah. Well. Okay. Hang on. Let me, let me see if I can, I can do this properly in order to to get it correctly. I might, I might not capture it, but hang with me. <laughs> Um, you know, I, no, nobody, nobody like, nobody's, nobody's going to like Becky Lynch because she, she's, she's not blonde and she talks with a weird accent. That's close enough. Yeah. That's actually you, good. Okay. That's actually, that's actually a really strong cornet doing Kevin Dunn impression. That's kind of what I was going for. Um, cause I figured it's such a good one that he <laughs> can pick up on what it is. Right. You know. I don't, I'm not going to go too far down this this road, but Kevin Dunn makes like six million dollars a year. Why doesn't he get some caps? Or for God's sakes, just get everything pulled and get some false teeth or something. I don't know. Yeah, because you that. I mean, I think he makes he makes like six million a year, doesn't he? Uh, I've I've heard it said he makes six figures. No, I've heard he makes uh, in the millions. Year. Okay. Well, then, it, in any event, why not just go ahead and, and if because he's sensitive about it too, because Cornet, you know, chewing him out for it. What fifteen years ago at this point, Cornet chewing him out over it left him in tears, and they forced Cornet to apologize for it. And he said, you know, of every, you know, when I was a kid, people used to make fun of my teeth and Cornette, that was his response. It's like, you make how much money a year? Get them fixed. Yeah, because I mean, but, I mean, that's not even that expensive. I mean, I'm not even, this isn't even, I mean, it's to bash him, but it's not to bash him. But it's just like, man, if it, if it bothers you that much, like you have the means to change it. Sure. It, the th- 
the reason that I pick on him about this is because, according to every story I've heard, he's one of the biggest detractors for Becky Lynch. Um, when Why? It, he doesn't like her accent, I've heard he doesn't like her accent, and I don't hire someone who is Irish from Ireland. Yeah, from Ireland. Yeah, yeah. That's the dumbest. That's the dumbest thing I've heard. Well, that's why that's I, I, you know what? Then why are you pushing Seamus down our throats? That's for like why they years? don't push. Yeah. Um, that's why Vince doesn't push Cesaro because he doesn't like his voice. That's you know I showed my wife the other day um, the it was a clip from like the three way tag match where Cesaro did this whole sequence by himself where you know he he put down he did the Swiss one nine on Carl Anderson he goes out the ring and he clotheslines somebody and then he like hopped on somebody else's stomach and then he jumped up and he climbed up on top and and did the cross body on Anderson again you know that whole if I were to link it to you you'd know what I was talking about but he did that whole sequence basically himself and she's like why is this guy not like doing more stuff you should um you should show her uh him doing the giant swing on kali yeah oh, that was cool too and you know what that's probably about the safest thing kali could do you know he really got hosed that um taker got beaten at that mania because him him <laughs> him um picking up big show walking him across the ring and throwing him out would have been like a top WrestleMania moment of all time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It totally should have. Cause it, I mean, if you watch that, we, like if you watch that crowds don't make that noise very often. No, no, it was really, um, yeah, that was really cool. I was, was not terrifically, uh, familiar with him at that point, but that, that moment went a long way towards starting to make me a fan of his. They were talking about him on Austin's podcast, someone that knows him, and they just said it's he's ridiculously strong. Like, freak strong. That's what I've heard. I used to love it, and he doesn't do it in the WWE, and Matt will know this. When he was in, like, Ring of Honor and stuff, he used to airplane spin guys, and then he'd put his arms mm, on, his yeah. hip, on his hips while he did it. Yeah, he's freakishly strong. Wow. And super talented, so yeah. I mean, that's another, it's another dumb one where it's like, oh, well, he has a funny accent. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like a, he's Italian, he's a Swiss Italian. Like, what did you expect? Yeah, run like, with it. Yeah, the guy can stink and work, and people love seeing him do it. You know, put a manager with him, except don't be like last time with Paul Heyman and have Paul Heyman never do anything for him. <laughs> And, you know, you can make a lot of money with that. But going, going back to Lynch, though, like, remember, because I, I was there for Wrestle, the WrestleMania in, a, was it 2016? The, the three-way with her and Sasha and Charlotte was such a huge match. And all three of those women were, like, such a huge deal at that time. And now it's like two years later. And, and again with this, it's like they, they can't figure it out. It's one of those things where they're leaving so much money on the table by not pursuing it, you know, 
Can you imagine how much merchandising money Becky Lynch could bring in with a with a good push? She probably does on that. She probably. I bet you. I bet you. Other than Bailey, she's probably one of the biggest sellers. On the women's rosters. I would think. I would think on the entire roster. She might be, but think about how much bigger it could get then. Like that. That could be a crazy amount of money. Because I know I know Bailey um doesn't get pushed, but Bailey actually has good merchandise, so I imagine she still does really well. And the, and on the WWE roster, someone actually having good merchandise is still kind of rare. Right. It's there are so many um like shirts and stuff that they have in their online store that I wouldn't be caught dead wearing. No, I don't know about you guys, but because the only ones I would actually because I've always wanted to something Braun Strowman, but all of his stuff sucks. The only things I've ever worn are um, I, I'm going to get a Rusev Day shirt eventually, but the only one I'll actually wear out currently is the the New Day shirt with the three the cartoons of them riding the blind unicorn is the only one I'll wear out. <laughs> Doesn't that say a lot? The only wrestling shirt I'll wear is the one with three black guys on a blind unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I don't, and I don't like the Budios one that much, and the orange I don't like. But the blind unicorn, like, and you know what I'm talking about? It's like the three of them on the blind unicorn. That's the only one I I like of theirs. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I have a lot of uh, WWE shirts, but. Yeah, it's not. It's the. Sh- it's usually shirts that they're not necessarily discernible as wrestling shirts. I'll still wear. Uh, I'll still wear. Um, well, I can't wear it anymore. But for a long time, I used to wear my um, Monday Night Jericho from WCW shirt out. Wow. I still have my uh, Dead Man Incorporated shirt that I had gotten at WWF New York. And I still have it. I I used to love, and I'd wear that one out all the time. The um, the red wolf pack one with the wolf on the front and the NWO on the back. Okay. Yeah. I, that that one I'd wear out a lot, and the just the basic NWO shirt was one I'd wear out. It seems to me like they could really use someone who can do some tasteful, understated designing. Like everything doesn't need to be like giant thing on the front. That's like this is a wrestling shirt. You, you know, you know who does a really good job with that is the Bullet Club merchandise. They they come up with some novel stuff. They come up with some novel stuff. I've got to give them that. They like okay. Just a quick thought off the top of my head. Can you imagine a Dean Ambrose shirt that has like the DA symbol they came up with for him, but it's just a small symbol, maybe about the size of like the palm of your hand or something that's just right there in the middle of the front, and that's all it has to be. And then, you know, you've got the little like WWE at the the, the top of the back right under the collar. Would that be so hard? Yeah. And then, you know... I, I think that would be a great shirt design. The my wife has a Club Balor shirt. That one's okay, but that's more that one is more Bullet Clubby though. Okay, Matt, you still with us? Yeah, I am. 
pseudoephedrine yeah, hasn't drugged you down yet? No, I okay. I actually I might have that um, Balor Club shirt that you're thinking about. You know, she would probably wear if they did. If they did it, I don't know if they have this, but if they did a shirt that was just like the demon paint, I think they have that though, don't they? I think oh, they've done that. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I think they have that actually. Now that I think about it, or it, it was there in NXT, I think. But yeah, I don't, and yeah, I don't see a lot of shirts I like. I would actually not that I like Roman Reigns, but his um, if they did one with just the Roman Empire logo, that would actually be a decent shirt. I really don't like the one they've got where it's just like the 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 Rottweiler's head just like looking at you yeah, from between between so words. That one annoys me so much. If they if they did one with just the Roman Empire logo logo, I don't like Reigns, but that would actually be a decent shirt. So this is all to kind of get back to the point. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> to get back to the point of the tone deafness that goes into the decision on how this is being approached. I read on a Reddit thread that they were trying to have Becky acting like a heel on a house show on Yeah, I read that today too. Monday evening and it wasn't working. So hopefully they don't stick their fingers in their ears and scream la 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 and look at it and go I don't I don't I don't think we can do this. The thing is where they where they have her now, she could she could have pulled out a chainsaw and cut off Charlotte's arm and she still would have gotten a pop. Probably. And people would have felt she was justified for it. So I think that at this point you could probably turn her in a different situation years down the road, but she's at that bulletproof heat. And if you I think the more if they try and push her as a heel, the crowds are just gonna dig in harder and cheer her more. I think so. What do you think, Matt? Oh, I think the pseudoephedrine got him. Sorry, I muted. My- <laughs> <laughs> uh, what'd you say? Like uh, Becky's a heel. Well, we we were saying that it, Becky's. Even if they tried to push her as a heel right now, people would still cheer for her. Yeah, so. I would agree. Like I think. People are now invested in her. I mean, again, I think she's more popular than they give her credit for. But um, yeah, people are now invested, I think, in her. So, I, and not as a heel, yeah. you know, as a as someone who deserves their push or deserves the title. So, I, I I would agree. Like, I don't think if they try to push her as a heel, it would really take well. It would just they would do the same thing that they've done before, where they try and force the crowd into reaction the crowd is not going to respond how they want them to and it's just going to be bad and and i think i think it's it's also not going to work because the crowds realize with the way the the company books that her moments passed and she's not going to get the belt (sighs) yeah that's a risk too because they're gonna she's gonna lose to charlotte and then it's gonna go into ronda versus charlotte if i had to guess so she's just gonna be sol See, I almost feel unless they're going to do some sort of like four horsewoman tag, I think I would I would build towards uh, Ronda and Charlotte at Mania. That's what I would do. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I think they're going to do, but they're not going to take the title off of Charlotte in the interim. Really? I wouldn't think so. Mm. Mm. So let's get. I would think they would just. Because I could that's see... a long, long time. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, look, I how, see her... look how long we've been stuck with Brock. Okay, 
Well, we'll get to that. So this next match is my match of the weekend by a long shot. And probably this match. Probably my WWE yeah. match of the year. This match was going in, I was really excited for this match, and it did not disappoint. Samoa Joe and AJ Styles for the WWE title. Incidentally, um, AJ's wife, Wendy, was in the crowd with their youngest child, their daughter, uh, Annie, Anna, Annie, I think. This match was really good. Um, both guys love, looked I, really good. I was it. laughing. I love this match. I laughed my ass off when Joe got on the mic before the match, and he was like, how you Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. That was so good because he, you know, he's Joe spent this whole feud trying to get in AJ's head, and he's still pushing his buttons right before the match starts. That's some old school grade A healing, is what that is. Like I was looking forward to this. I knew it wasn't going to be like their turning point match, which was amazing at the time. But this, there was this. Um, this was almost like a. It almost felt like a boxing match at points. Okay, what do you mean by that? Like where Joe, where Joe, where Joe was laying in these heavy, like big strikes, and AJ was kind of counter punching with quicker, lighter strikes. Mm-hmm. And using his speed, like there is a very. I know it was like a grudge match, but there was almost this. Um, there was this. You could feel the chess game that they were playing in story with each other. Mm-hmm. Where Joe was just going for the damage and AJ was um AJ was trying to keep his cool and he was doing his thing until Joe finally like pushed the right button and then AJ yeah. lost his mind. Like there was there was a lot of layers to this. Like especially like the punches Joe was laying in, those kicks. Yeah. Like it was just It was really we even got to see a muscle buster teased. Um I don't know if Joe's even done that since he's come up to the main roster, but I think he's done it once. He might have done it to Rollins. Okay. Well, in this was a really fun match to watch because these guys work well together. And I like you know, it didn't feel like it was twenty two minutes long. And AJ kinda of pulling out that stuff he doesn't really do anymore was really great. Mm-hmm. Like doing the Pele kick and bringing out the Styles Clash. Mm-hmm. It was gosh, it was a lot of fun to watch. And and when he finally now, tackled him through the barricade, that was just Well, that's what I that's what I was gonna get at is earlier you were talking about the mic work. And in the course of this, the um in the course of this match, like there was, I think, I think it was in this match. Um, there was a spot where like Joe, like shoves the camera guy out of the way. And then when AJ, okay. For those of you that haven't seen it, spoilers, um, in case you didn't figure that out for a review show for SummerSlam, but, uh, <laughs> Joe gets the mic and he put AJ into the stairs hard. Like AJ dropped down and took that, like, just full in the face kind of thing. Joe stands up and says, Hey, I guess, I guess AJ ain't coming home, but I'll be your new daddy. And the first thing that went through my mind was, Holy shit. That is some crazy healing. And then AJ jumped up and tackled him off of the 
French, German, I'm not sure which announce table it was, through the barricade, and the cameraman caught that perfectly. Because he wasn't just like, it wasn't just like you saw AJ run up behind Joe and hit him, and then they go down. Like, he got the angle right whenever they hit the barricade, and the barricade goes down and all that kind of stuff. You know what? I, yeah, that was that was good. Uh, that was good camera work right there. You know what I liked about that late match promo is I know they scripted that, but it felt like he did that in the moment, like and he was just feeling it. Like it yeah. was, it was, it felt spontaneous, which these shows really lack. It would actually not surprise me if the what it was Joe came up with himself. But, it was just, we know that we're going into this kind of finish. You know what makes Joe great comparatively and why he's such an amazing heel is everything he does, even if it's scripted and awful, he says it with such conviction you think it's, you think it's real. Yeah, he owns it. Matt, you look like you were going to say something for a second. Um, this, is a, this is an aside. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more of a private joke between me and Brad, but Uh-oh. um every time the couple times that Joe was talking to uh AJ's wife, I was just thinking of um Anthony Anthony Cumia's Bruce Springsteen impression. Oh yes. Brad. <laughs> hey Wendy. <laughs> so I just was laughing to myself. Nice. Um I love I absolutely love this match. I thought this match was tremendous. It really they were trying to tell a, a few different stories with this match but it overall to me i get the whole analogy you're making to like a boxing match that this just seemed like a brutal just like a, a grudge match like a slog they were just trying to hurt each other and it had like a lot of in- intensity and it, it seemed you know hashtag or air quotes real like you could feel like the two dudes wanted to just like beat the shit out of each other um and everything the mat work is great like i love the selling in this uh, both guys just like every every like punch, every kick, everything just it, it seemed like it was they they made it count. And I thought the announcers who I didn't think overall were great for this pay per view. <clears throat> um, I thought they did a decent job with uh, calling this match because they at a couple points they did bring up the fact that Joe, who obviously we've seen him earlier in the year, kind of go toe to toe with you know like Braun with Brock. Um, they're selling the point that AJ, who's obviously much physically smaller than either of those guys, were uh, he, he was kind of rocking Joe with some of his offense. So uh, I loved, like you said, the the barricade spot. I love that spot, um, and I thought the end the end was I thought tremendous. I, it because Styles isn't characteristically like you know a psychopath. I thought him snapping really actually worked, and it it, it was a good finish to not make this the end, but the beginning of the feud. I, I really like to like styles going back for that one last little hit when he had the chair. Yeah. And then, you know, coming off is just like vicious and crazed and then goes over to his family and his, his daughter's like says something and he's like, I know I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like he's kind of coming to his senses that he went too far at least by his own kind of personal code of honor. I, I actually thought that was uh, 
I think that's something that people missed and which was part of the brilliance of this is usually the WWE and wrestling trope is to have them get beaten down in front of their family members. But this time, instead of going for that, Joe got him to lose his shit in front of his family and they got to see like this dark side of like their loved one. Yeah. And it was a, it was a good twist. Yeah. And, now I'm going to compare this to Gargano and Ciampa for a minute. This match had that level of gravity to it that I thought that match lacked. Like there was everything in this match had a toll to it. And I think the selling really brought that into focus. Yeah, I would agree. I think... I don't know, maybe with Gargano and Ciampa, it's like the third time we've seen it, so some of the the drama is a little bit worn off. Um, but this, maybe it's because it's still fresh. It, it's, it didn't quite, it wasn't quite as played out, but I agree, like, it, it, that's, that's what I was trying to say, like, every, every, like, offense that was thrown, it did seem like it took a toll. It was more like this battle of attrition between the two, the two guys. And again, like the selling, I thought was tremendous. I thought it was both guys did a fantastic job. This was this was absolutely my match of the night. I will fully admit, uh, sitting there watching it. First of all, my match of the night too, just so good. But when after AJ jumps on Joe and goes over there, and his daughter says, "Daddy, why did you do that?" and he said, "I'm sorry, baby." I'll admit, as a parent, I got a little bit of eye sweat going. Um, because I'm a manly man, and that's that's what that was. That was totally eye sweat. Um, <laughs> that right there was, and he like picks her up to hold her, and she goes back to mom. I kind of doubt that that was scripted, but just in, you know, it was probably more to do with the fact that AJ had blood on his face and that he was hot and sweaty. But it it made that whole thing look very real and and very heartfelt. And man, I can't wait to to see more of this stuff. This is also why doing a DQ for the first one instead of like doing the endless I pin you, you pin me is is uh, useful for these matches. Well, this was a DQ finish that worked because there are some sometimes you get a DQ finish and it's stupid and it doesn't work and it doesn't make any sense and you hate it. But this one was, this DQ finish was perfect. Yeah, and I thought this was, I I thought this was placed perfectly in the show and that it changed up from what all the other matches had been to this point. And this was a good point to like really lock you in for the, for the stuff that was to follow. Yeah, that's the, I am totally bought in for more of this feud. I am, I am actually kind of convinced that these guys could probably feud all the way till Mania, and it would be good the whole way. This is the stuff that sells tickets and gets people watching too. I think. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Th- this this gets them in the building because even if it's not, it feels real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Great match. Loved it. Next match on the card after it was another one that had a lot of build. It was, and I think in a lot of ways, a similar The Miz versus Daniel Bryan. Um, 
in doing their whole build up, they're talking about like, you know, um, you know, finally shut this up, finally put this to rest. I'm like, why are you guys doing the big blow off for this at SummerSlam then? Um, then we see the match, and I am, even if I hadn't read the stories I had read, I'd be fairly certain that uh, we're going to be seeing, you know, that, that Brian's resigning. Um, this this match saw Miz win, um, but not cleanly, and in a way that would definitely continue the uh, continue the feud. And even afterwards, Daniel Bryan is sitting. He's sitting on a gurney holding an ice pack to his head next to a poster that says the anatomy of the brain. So that had to be a total wink and a nod to everybody that, you know, that caught it. So I have, I do have one problem with this match. So why was his wife watching the Ronda match, but she wasn't at ringside for her husband? Uh, That's a good question. That's a super good question. I, I usually hate WWE camera work. But this is the one time they actually got something right, is I love that you could see Maurice slip the Miz the knuckles. We talked about this um, in a previous podcast, how in so many cases, what you have to do, it's, it's this weird dichotomy of if you have something like that, you have to do it in a way that the crowd knows you have it but not in a way that's readily apparent to the ref or the other guy. And so they did this super, super subtle thing, but the fact that basically the Miz won off of punching Brian once is, is enough of a giveaway that, that you, 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 there's probably a good quote from, uh, from Bubbles on Trailer Park Boys, but, um, you know, something was up and she, here. She was smooth about it, too. Oh, she was really she good about it. it. She did it quick enough that you know she did it, but that there's plausible deniability and it didn't look stupid that like everyone else missed it. But usually they miss that kind of small detail because they would have been like looking at Brian or, you know, they would have cut away to some rando in the crowd. Oh, yeah. Well, she was also so good in in passing it off and then getting it back too. yeah. So. I thought this was a pretty good match. Um, let Brian get most of his stuff in. It, it showed it was a good match in that it showed that Brian is clearly better than the Miz, and he had to resort to those tactics, which I think is lacking in a lot of their baby facers heel matches, where the face just ends up looking dumb. This was a good. Oh, he had him beat, but you know the Miz just cheated. Um. Daniel Bryan had one of my, and I'm going to go ahead and put it on my all-time list, one of my favorite all-time no-sells in this match, where, you know, he's been doing the yes kicks. Incidentally, I think it was Tom Phillips, cracked me the hell up on commentary. You know, Bryan's doing the kicks, and then Miz goes to do them, and Corey's like, there it is, Miz's original yes kicks, the originator of this. I don't think it was Byron. I, I saw somebody say they thought it was Byron. Whoever it was cracked me up because I swear to God, Daniel Bryan originated those long before the Miz ever even thought about it. Um, I absolutely cracked up at that. But Miz goes to do the the guest kicks to Bryan, and Bryan like 
stands up and start like he leans into it and he starts standing up and walking into them as the Miz keeps doing them just with like that intense eye contact. I was like, that's God, that's that's such a cool no sells, but that's like that's an amazing no sells. And I liked when he finally ended it. He grabbed his leg and just slapped the shit out of him. That was great. I also like because I feel like I haven't seen this spot in forever. When Daniel Bryan reversed the figure four, I feel like no one does that anymore. I don't know if we see the figure four itself that much. I don't think so. Um, yeah, not really. Let's pause for a second, Matt, and let you let you get a word in. I know the cold medication might be getting at you. Yeah, um, I actually like this match a lot. Um, I watched it uh, earlier tonight with my mo- with my. Uh, with my wife and she doesn't usually watch wrestling. Um, but she is a, a fan of the Miz. <laughs> uh, she, wa- she watches, uh, she, she's taken a watch in uh, Miz and Miss Mrs. Uh, okay. Which I don't feel is a terribly great reality show, but I guess it's no worse than total Bellas or total divas or any of those other ones, but it's probably, I would guess it's probably better because it's about, I don't know, a married couple raising a kid doing stuff together as opposed to people being catty back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but she was a little uh, a little surprised at how physical it was um, because at, by the end of the match, Miz's chest was just getting all sorts of red and bruised up uh, from the kicks and everything. And she was kind of aghast at, at that. But uh, I actually liked the match a lot. I thought... I thought both guys did really well. I thought Miz really brought it. Um, I thought he did a tremendous job, uh, and I did like the story that was told, like where, you know, he's the video package they did beforehand did a really good job, kind of breaking down the several years worth of their relationship, which I kind of forgot uh, mm-hmm. all that backstory. And then it really played up to the match itself and Brian just continually getting the best of Miz until Miz finally having to cheat to win. Uh, and I thought that was an excellent way to kind of, cause again, much like this in the previous match with, uh, Joe styles, it's really more the beginning of the program versus the ending of it. So, um, I liked it. I think they can, if they want to, they can probably try and drag this out until survivor series, but I thought it was good. It was probably, Probably my second favorite match of the show, I guess. So yeah, great. Uh, I would if if you guys if if the listeners don't get to watch anything else on the show, Joe AJ Miz Bryan is totally worth seeking out. So I would add that. Okay. Add, while we're on that, that uh, Ronda and Alexa is worth it, but we're not there yet. Okay, yeah. you you make a good point. You make a really good point. Three matches on this card we're seeking out. Um, the next match on the card was kind of a breather, I think, but we had, it was a singles match, uh, Baron Corbin versus Finn Balor with the surprise being that it was not Finn Balor. It was the demon Balor. Um, he went very venom heavy on this demon. I thought. Yeah, there was there it was, it was kind of more of a, a black thing. Funny story. Um, I the first time my wife saw this, like she, I, I I wasn't sure what she would think of it, so I showed her like one of the the demon entrances, and 
Balor comes out and like the music's going, it's doing all this. And she's like, okay. And then he starts doing his like crawl thing to the ring and she busts out laughing. I said, what is it? She goes, he looks like he's doing bad performance art. And I haven't been able to shake that ever since. But the idea in this, I guess, no one came right out and said it, I don't think, but that Baron Corbin finally irritated Balor enough that he summoned up the demon just to like teach him a lesson. And the thing that made this work was Baron Corbin's reaction to it. Corbin's reaction was not on the same scale, but it was like Triple H's reaction to Cactus Jack. Um, he freaks out and then proceeds to just get the living piss beaten out of him. Hey, uh, Matt. If yeah. uh, you want to laugh after this, look up um, Eastside Dave the Demon. And it's from um, it's from his <laughs> compound media show. And he he they start playing the music and he starts crawling through the crowd like the demon, like bothering everyone. It's quite funny. <laughs> I'll have to give that a look. So uh, Finn Balor is my wife's favorite wrestler. And um, she was quite happy to see the demon. Uh, I was watching this as well with my wife and she, even though we've gone to a wrestling show where she's seen Finn Balor wrestle, um, she never saw the demon before. So she, she was impressed by it. He doesn't, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for how graceful he is in the ring. If you see him live, he's almost like, um, if you've ever been to the ballet, he's almost like a ballet dancer in the ring. To take a little bit of the piss out of this, whenever you're only doing three or four moves, it's pretty easy to really get those down. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll quit being mean. I, I'm a fan of Balor. I really think if they wanted to, they could have, they could and should move him up into like the main event, but I don't know. He, I don't think, I guess the rumors that Vince doesn't really see much in him or doesn't think he's like that level guy. And that they may be gun shy. Given he's gotten injured before, yeah, but that, I mean, yeah, it, one of those, one of those was admittedly like Rollins' yeah. fault. But yeah, know, for for how little they do with him, he is incredibly over. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, part of it, I think, has to do. Last um, the last podcast we had, you told the story about Bill Watts talking with Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Jarrett wondering where all the pretty boys on the card were to draw the women in. Finn Balor, right there. Oh, he's inc- he's um, inc- he he is incredibly popular with women, from what I've seen. Not only that, but he seems honestly just like a pretty good guy, right? So the only th- I know I, I busted his chops a little bit for not having very many moves, but from my understanding, he says he really only has one match himself anyway. The only thing I can I can really get annoyed about is I wish that he was using a different finisher. And the only reason I could say that is because there are I know there are guys on the indies killing each other with that thing. Yeah, and I think I don't really. Yeah, I don't really like the the coup de gras. But I also think I also think if um, especially since they like to they they're hooked on that PR stuff like. I think the stuff he's done, like with his, some of his pride stuff this year, has really is really something that they could push more. And I think he would be, 
I think they're really missing some PR opportunities with him in general. Wait, hang on. I have to bring back my uh, my impression from earlier. Now, yeah, it's, people don't like someone with an accent like that. Yes, I know, Bucky. Yeah. I God. That's just my opinion, though. I think I think there's PR things they could they could really use him for. But you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunities that are being missed out on. And I think that's, that's the thing that frustrates me more than anything else in WWE is the fact that there are so many good opportunities that are being missed out on where they could be doing so much better, making so much more money that they just don't. Um, and it, it seems like gimme stuff, right? Take the woman that's crazy over and put the title on her. Or take the dude that's crazy over and have him do publicity stuff. But uh, they just don't. I Now, I, I've got to say something positive for them, though, for WWE, is when my wife wanted a Finn Balor shirt, she was really actually thrilled with them because they had most of their shirts in women cuts. Like, where when you... Like if you if she wants something from like the NHL or the NFL like they do not they do not do that like you have to get specific shirts in the in the in the women cut whereas WWE is always like hey here's the shirt do you want it unisex here's all the sizes oh you can get it as a, in in the the female cut too so I will give them credit on their merchandising as they're way ahead of the curve of a lot of other places on that. Hmm. That okay, Matt. Anything more you want to add in on this one? Not really. Okay, yeah, I, mean, I mean, it was it was quick. It was quick and dirty. Yeah, we had a uh, oh, we had a I squash. I'll, yeah, I'll add this uh this one thing. I know we've like joked about his uh his ring wear before on the podcast, but yeah, uh, <laughs> when Balor, uh, not sorry, not Balor, when uh. When my wife saw Corbin, she's like, "Why is this guy like in street clothes?" <laughs> I, I did not have the heart to even try and explain it. At to least her. he doesn't have hair anymore. Yeah, the skullet thing was kind of awkward. I thought it kind of fit with the uh, the biker that dares somebody to say something about it, but um, you know, uh, whatever it. it he, if if they decided it was time for it to go, then I get I that. Think that. I I actually sort of like him in the constable role. Yeah, the guy who got authority and enjoys throwing it around because he's kind of a prick. Yeah, it, it works for him. Yeah. What's next on this? I'm down with that. So the next match on the card was. A return match from the last pay-per-view, which was a squash, but this one wasn't. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Jeff Hardy to retain the United States Championship. Um, I wish Nakamura had been popular in the U.S. during my run, because that would have held the move set out so much. But And Jeff Hardy had some weird gear stuff going on, Yeah, uh, along with having face paint that looked like 
open eyes whenever his eyes were shut. So freaking me out. You'd look at it and you'd be like, you'd be like, what is Hardy like supposed to be like selling like he's out or, oh, now he looks like he has cataracts. Okay. He's, his eyes are open. Okay. Um, I thought he was, he, he did his paint up like he was a juggalo. I thought. You know, go ahead, Matt. (laughs) No, no. I'm just chuckling at that. Oh, okay. For all of the... Yeah, I know it's basic, but Jeff Hardy's supposed to be the baby face. And aside from his face paint and his belt, he's wearing all black. It just... In my head, like, I know. But on the other hand, it's kind of like this is sending the wrong signal kind of thing. Um, I thought th- I thought the match was fine. Um, I thought that, you know, we had the right outcome for it. Nakamura is going to move on to do something with somebody else now. Um, I, I liked Hardy as Hardy kind of played this up as he was like kind of this broken down veteran trying to keep up with the younger pup nipping at his heels. And if he worked more matches like that, I think he would be on to something. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I just found it. The words that AJ's daughter said to him is, Daddy, you are bleeding. <laughs> that's even worse. That That's what got me. I was just, oh, God, I sweat. Um, but back to the match at hand. Uh, yeah, it, it looked like Hardy was trying to keep up. Um, it was kind of funny because there was a, I don't know if he put it on Twitter or if he had a, uh, uh, in the interview or something. And he was like, yeah. I don't do the swanton much now. I finish with a twist of fate because, you know, the swanton's tough on my back unless I'm feeling really good or something. And then he does a flipping swanton on the apron, which the announcers are quick to remind us is the hardest part of the ring. You know what? You know what bugged me about that, though, is it looked it looked it looked friggin brutal when like in the moment. And then they replayed it. Mm-hmm. And then I was disappointed because it wasn't as brutal as I remembered it being. And it kind of diminished it. Yeah, but one thing I did like, which uh, other matches, they the selling isn't as consistent or they don't do it this way. Um, he at least took that big bump. It, you know, it, he crashed and burned. And then it was like 30 seconds later or so that he lost. Like Nakamura capitalized on it. Whereas there's plenty of other matches where a big move like that will happen, and then the match continues on for like 10 more minutes. So I thought that was yeah. believable. By the way, Shad, you uh, yes. you said you said the magic words, or the magic word, ICP. <laughs> God. <laughs> so we have to bring up our favorite <laughs> song of all time. <laughs> You know the thing that cracks me up the most about that song? It's it sounds for like 10 seconds like somebody is going to fall past the window you're standing by. <laughs> uh, but he just goes into the song from there. Matt. Hit a fess. Hit a fess. Yeah, so I know we've explained this to you before, Shad, but Ron and Fez, which is a an amazing radio show, use that as their like opening theme for years. Well, 
in it. I, I and and we will now I, use it anytime ICP <laughs> is mentioned on this podcast. Oh, we've hit our second running gag. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. I've actually been so, just, we're going to go slightly off topic here, Matt, but I've been re listening to old Ron and Fez again. I, I'll have to search them out. Uh, and give him a listen. It's been a while. I, just, I forget. Polo might be the greatest radio character ever. Will you, Polo, your life's a movie. It's time for Oscars. Geek, geek, geek. Uh, geek, geek, geek. This is very like off topic. Yeah. The one thing, uh, <laughs> I, to this day, my still my favorite um, one of those uh, gags was uh planet of the apes has great oscar appeal <laughs> i still laugh about that i, I always laugh like about the years little later. girl that would call and ask him how his big fat wife was <laughs> okay back to the show so yeah like you guys said hardy went for the swanton on the apron the hardest part of the ring Missed and Nakamura basically finished him off from it, which was great. The match only went 10 minutes. That seemed like a really good amount of time for it to go. Um, afterwards, Hardy's laying in the ring because, you know, he just bumped on the apron, the hardest part of the ring, uh, took a Kinshasa, and then Randy Orton comes out, like his music hits. And I'm pausing for effect because I'm imagining that the other two guys are probably trying not to crack up into their mics right now. Um, the music hits. Orton walks out, walks to the ring, then turns around and walks right to the back. He got in full gear. He got all taped up to walk to the ring and then just turn around and walk back out. So I don't know why they I wanna I don't know why they did this because I'm pretty sure ninety percent of the people watching this were like, oh my God, he's gonna teabag him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to. He's gonna make you shake his hand. Yeah, I want to. I want to congratulate Randy Orton for not exposing himself yeah. in his brief appearance. <laughs> Randy Orton's going to be debuting his new finishing move next week: the Roman War Helmet. Oh, incidentally, Randy Orton like shaved, and now he looks like ten years younger. Because when that dude gets facial hair, there's so much. Uh, gray in his facial hair he looks like he found his gear in the closet and it still fits and so he's you know he's like got a beer in his hand he's telling people like you know I used to be world champion I don't know if you knew that or not you know, it's, it's weird they did this with him and then in the next match you have Natalia come out and do nothing not even get on commentary I kind of understand that, just given that this was Natalia's first appearance after the loss of her father. So, yeah, I, I kind of get it. Speaking of which, that'll segue us into the next match. Um, this was Ronda Rousey with Natalia uh, versus Alexa Bliss. This match was pretty well booked. <clears throat> Exactly the way it should have been. For the first time ever with Alexa. Yeah, uh, I I mentioned this to 
to Brad before the podcast, this exactly was how this match should have gone. And it was stunning that it, you know, I mean, I guess you might as well do it with the person that you're paying, like probably millions of dollars in her contract. But yeah, like this is, this is how they, someone should have been booked against bliss for like the last year and a half, just four minute steamroll. Yeah. So Shad, you, uh, you, you did yes. that pro- professional wrestling thing for numerous years, right? Yeah, so why well, I did happen to be one of them professional wrestlers in the talkie pictures. So uh, why don't you walk us through that brutal armbar that she finished Alexa off? Because oh. my wife and I were like, I don't think Alexa can use her arm today w- when it was yesterday. Because, like, did you see like that? <laughs> like, it looked like she she bent her wrist and like bent her fingers back. Okay, first of all. <clears throat> I don't think she can use her arm today when it was yesterday is just fantastic phrasing. Um, second, are you talking about the arm bar for the finish yeah. or are you talking about the, the thing that she did right before the, the thing finish? that led into the arm bar where it looked like she was pretty much just breaking every bone in her hand. Um, okay. You're not talking about where, like, Alexa's double-jointed and Rhonda was, like, torquing her arm. I'm talking about, with like, her the double- shit she did to her hand where she, like, bent her... Well, the torque, too, but, like, where she, like, bent her wrist and, like, was taking her fingers in. Like, she was, like, getting ready to cinch that, that bastard in. Well, typically, on an arm bar, if you can elongate the wrist back, what you're doing is you're tightening a bunch of the tendons that run down the forearm which makes a an arm bar more effective. You know, if I just grab your wrist and I lay back with an arm bar, then what I'm relying on is using my hips to push up against your elbow and pulling down on your wrist to hyperextend. What Rhonda was doing by manipulating the hand that way is to elongate those tendons makes it for a tighter hold. And you don't have to do as much work to put as much pressure on it. Um, and that's, you know, that's just, that's a straight up, armbar application thing it was you know whenever she does that and and she torques it back and then she loops her arm around it but that one arm is still tucked on the hand and then she drops back to to leg scissor it that's what that's supposed to be about um it, you know i mean is ronda Rousey doing an armbar it's very good The problem is a lot of the viewing public doesn't know that. It's just like, why? Why is Rhonda holding her hand right before she torques her in? No, but that looked like, I, but it looked brutal. Like it. I mean, I know it looks like she was holding her hand, but it looks like she was meticulously like just destroying like every part of her hand and fingers in the process. Sure. And I mean, the look on Alexa's face for that too kind of helped. Because mm-hmm. that was. Her oh, yeah. face was, oh my god, I've never felt anything this bad happening to me before. The thing I think that I enjoyed the most about this match is it looked to me like it was a callback to Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman. Oh yeah, that's because every time Alexa, every time like Rhonda starts in at Alexa, Alexa like backs up or dives out until Rhonda literally sits down in the ring and goes, come on in, come and get it. No, that's not. The first thing that happened is Rhonda punched Alexa once. No, Rhonda punched Alexa. 
Brian punched Miz once and knocked him out of the ring with it at the start of their match, which was fantastic. But I think Rhonda hit Alexa once and Alexa powders out. But she sits down in the middle of the ring. She's like, go ahead, come on in. And Alexa comes in and she like hooks on the sleeper. And Rhonda stands up and Alexa goes to like leg scissor. And Rhonda's just like, nope, nope, nope. And like pulls her up onto her shoulders and does that judo throw she sets up the armbar with, I think. I wish there was a. I wish I knew what the name for that was, but uh, it was fantastic to watch. I mean, it it was late. Technically, it was not a great match, right? In 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 the the work rate sense of it, but it was laid out perfectly. This was this was the match it needed to be exactly. You know what I don't understand is so whoever's laying her matches out does a really good job of protecting her faults and her mm-hmm. inexperience, but whoever's doing this also is doing a great job of covering the faults of her opponents up in the process. Mm-hmm. So why can't they do that for everyone? Like, why is it, why is it Nia Jax looks like a, a steaming pile of crap most nights, but they get her in there with Rhonda and they suddenly like manage to cover up all of her warts in the process. It probably takes more time and more than one person to do it. Like, if I had to guess, because I don't know for certain, but whatever agent you have working with you, if he goes, okay, whenever we do this, this is the stuff we're going to do. Because generally the agents that do this, are the, they have a record of knowing what the hell they're talking about, mm-hmm. right? You know, Arn Anderson is an agent. I will trust Arn Anderson with what he tells me. I'm going to guess that it takes more than one person to get this laid, these laid out just right. And they're doing that because... First of all, Rhonda was already named when she came in. And then second, they're paying an awful lot to have her on the roster. So I imagine that the the amount of time that has to go into it. Also, since Rhonda is a rookie and you can make the argument, yes, you know, three matches in and she's won the title. But uh, um, you know, to have her, um, you know, they're wanting to protect their investment. They're wanting it to be good. They're wanting to, you know, help her out while she's getting going so that it is, um, you know, so she, she learns how to do it right and gets her feet under her because they can't afford to have, you know, their, their big, big name they've signed for the women's division, you know, screwed up out there because she's having her first matches in, you know, on the big pay-per-views and stuff. I had a couple other takeaways from this. Um, one, someone needs to tell her to get knee pads now. And then two, um, they need to talk to her about calling her spots. It was an issue in other matches because I think they had the, the ring mic too much, but there were two or three points in this match where you could hear Rada calling spots. And I think I think well, the infamous um, one was asking her if she was ready before she dropped her on the the slam. Yeah. Well, um, go ahead, Matt. They did have the 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 ring like curiously mic'd, um, pretty loud. Uh, and I I did pick up on that where she was calling spots, but um, I actually think overall that was kind of masked by her it, it's just like constantly trash talking which i actually thought was really interesting but she was just like trash talking alexa the entire time which i thought was kind of cool 
Um, cause it's like, oh, Rhonda's really, Rhonda's really into this. Uh, so I think that actually covered it up cause she was more like, it was more like when she was like, you're ready for this. I did you know, people like us who may know, oh, she's like calling the spot. She's like, you know, working with Alexa on this, but to someone who may not be as clued in or someone who may have heard it like in the, in the front rows, it was more just like, I'm going to now screw fuck you up basically yeah. i heard it and are like are you ready for me to demolish you are you ready for me to like you know ruin your night i had heard it i had heard chatter in other matches that was obvious spot calling so they they had the they had the whole the mix was all weird because the crowd was really hard to hear all night <laughs> yeah it was probably for some obvious well, reasons so yeah. it's funny with that because they kind of missed the mark on Roman and they muted Brock more because I think they were muting cheers for him. But it seemed like they caught it for Brock, but not Roman. And they, yeah, they were on Roman about a second too late. And even, um, even TakeOver had that weird mix to it. Yeah. Which leads us into the, the last match of the evening. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. I have, to, I have to say, I appreciate the minimalist style to this, that they worked a whole series of matches using only five moves total. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty accurate. Um, but we can say, thankfully, that this is apparently finally over. Um, there was, I think Heyman was on Raw last night, and he said, you know, well, Brock's got his rematch clause, and Angle's like, sure he does, but he's going to have to get in line because I got a whole bunch of people chomping at the bit right now. So that's that's basically management saying, we're done with this for now. Thank God. I know, right? So but the what I loved about this, though, uh, was... Um the Braun promo of I'm not going to be a coward. Like this challenge is coming one-on-one. Yeah. And I'm telling you about it ahead of time. So that was, that was nice. You know, it Braun comes out and does this and everyone's like, Ooh, we're going to see Braun kill somebody. He's going to cash in and kill somebody. We're going to have Braun as a champion. And it turns out that it was a ruse. Yeah to get people to stay and not walk out during the main event. There was a lot of booing, I guess, after it went off air, because I've never seen them cut from a pay-per-view so quick before. <sighs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, if to, to spoil the following Raw, I guess they figured one way out of hopefully getting him booed immediately is to just reform the shield for, like, what, the 18th time? This yeah. year. In the hopes that that at least, temp- yeah, at least temporarily... Not trying, they won't boo him, yeah. Because yeah. it's it, the shield is more over than he is, so I guess they can mm-hmm. try and uh, maybe di- diverge some of the, the hatred, yeah. It, it's, it's although I don't know if they're gonna go with like the shield versus Braun, like I actually don't know that the shield's gonna win out on that one because I think people are invested in Braun at this point. It's, um unfortunate that that's what they're trying to set up you know shield versus brawn because do you want to really do you really want to kill like one of the biggest homegrown champions you've made recently with that 
I, I sure as heck don't want you to do that. And then um, the other thing, and this this is what gets me, is earlier today on my lunch break, I was flipping through Reddit, and they someone had pulled a, uh, a streamable clip of um, the, like, Roman's in the ring, and Balor's in the ring, and Corbin comes out, and Corbin's talking smack um, at Balor about, like, that's not, that, you know, that didn't count. It wasn't the demon who was scheduled to be there. You weren't there. You no-showed, that sort of stuff. And the crowd's booing, and Corbin says something about it. Roman just picks up the mic and goes, by the way, and Corbin's like, yeah, they're booing you for not actually showing up last night. Roman just takes his mic and goes, Hey, Corbin, they're booing you, dumbass. That line right there and the way he delivered it, if that was the way that Roman continued, I could see myself coming around on him. If it was that style of thing. I think if they just... and I think if they just... I think if they just let him breathe a little bit now that all this crap is over... Just give him a variety of opponents and just kind of do your standard booking. I think he might be okay with the crowd. I think he could if they, if it falls back to the issue that a lot of people have run into in that they are being overproduced to the point of if you don't deliver the promo down to the word that we give you, we chew you out. Um, let people, someone on Reddit said the problem is that Joe Annoy is the star, Roman Reigns is the bland persona. So does the guy get to be himself and possibly sink or swim with it? Or is Vince going to be in control freak mode because he's like, this is the last big guy I'm ever going to get to create and I've got to make sure it's done right. I don't know. See, I don't, I don't know if I wanted to, if I would have gone straight into Shield versus Braun. I think I, I think maybe they should have gone back to like the Lashley well or brought Elias out to kind of annoy him for a couple weeks to get to Hell in a Cell. I mean, I guess they still could. Just give him like a filler defense and then like figure out what you want to do because I feel like I don't know going straight to the. It's kind of like the sucker punch of having Braun out there so he doesn't get booed. It feels like they're trying, oddly enough, trying to shield him from it. And I think they kind of did it because I'm glad they had him do a title defense, but he should have come out and been like, hey, I know you guys were sick of Lesnar never showing up, so I'm going to do, I'm going to do like the John Cena open challenge and just have him come out every week and be like, okay, like who, who wants a title shot? Come on. I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. I cut you off. I, I just generally about this match. Um, they did mercifully keep it short, but are there people who actually think that this match that it was good the way it wound up, or what they did with it? Is there consensus like out there? I've seen praise. Not for, that I'm aware of. I've seen more praise for the the brawn red herring. And the damage control they managed to do for that, which I think was smart. I guess so. I, and I guess it, it was logical in a way that they, they couldn't have him try and cash it in. Um, 
so they they found a way to kind of take him out so uh, by the end of the match that he couldn't do that but i still i don't i don't know maybe it'll wind up like you said where they'll just leave it be and and roman will be fine but i to me like this didn't solve anything no because lesnar to me, Lesnar pretty much still came off strong because he dominated a, m- much of the match, went toe-to-toe with Braun, got the best of Braun. So, I, again, I think it was logical the way they did it, but it almost made Braun look like a goof. Yeah, it did. For, yeah. for coming out there, teasing, uh, cashing in, and then, you know, he doesn't even have the opportunity because he gets taken out. I think it... Yeah. Um, I, think he's, I think he was over enough that he he escaped that but to me like it's it still made Rome Roman didn't win really like he won but it's like it was basically a fluke where a guy was distracted and so while he was distracted he'd pull off his finisher and won the title but it's not like oh he dominated this and he was he fought all this adversity like it to me like it's it's almost like a cheap win yeah that's what I, I thought at the time I will say the visual of like that chair crashing into Lesnar's face as he was getting pinned was kind of hilarious uh, also lesnar oh, the chucking the briefcase <laughs> all the way back up to the entryway yeah, that was funny oh and destroying the titantron that was fun <laughs> but i agree with that like if if i was invested in like roman's journey for the title that would have been an, a really unsatisfactory conclusion to it yeah uh, I, I'm just I'm I'm happy that we're done with that, and now we can start possibly having other things happen. That's where I'm at with it. You know, so I'm not gonna dump on it. I'm gonna say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm glad we're done. Yeah. Let's let's. I'm 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 glad we're done with that. Let's move forward and let's see if we can have some good stuff. Yeah, I would like to do a couple of callbacks to a couple of events we missed uh, throughout the the show. If before mm-hmm. we before we move on, so um, I really enjoyed the Elias segment. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. And um, he said something that I was laughing. I think he called them a bunch of filthy New Yorkers. But I don't remember exactly what he said. It was something like but his, that. His guitar breaking and his facial expression was hilarious. But you know what I wanted him to do, which I thought would have been even funnier as the crowd's cheering? He should have just been all upset and then suddenly pulled another guitar out of nowhere. And then just kept on. <laughs> that would have been funny. I enjoyed the way that it panned out. You know, he's sitting there, he's doing stuff, and he's talking, and then the neck breaks. I legitimately started laughing out loud at that. Um, it it, <laughs> it cracked me up. There's there's no question. I I enjoyed, and you know what? We've got this way of of Elias doesn't have anything in particular to do right now, but he's still being relevant and involved i guess he his facial expressions are like probably the best on the roster 
are they're still having him use the the fisherman swinging neckbreaker, aren't they? I think so. He's got such a good elbow drop. I, I wish he could. Uh, I wish he could. Uh, they just let him do that. And then we need to talk about the um, what? What do we want to call it? The the rumor of what the main event to Evolution is going to be that was pretty much confirmed for this during the show. Um, apparently I did, I missed that part. When um, but it was that the, the belt was coming out when Ronda won the belt and getting booed like crazy. Oh. So the the rumor for Evolution, and I think this confirms it, is that it's going to be uh, Ronda Rousey versus Nikki Bella to main event the women's pay per view. Well, you know there there are worse things that could happen. I think that Nikki is she's okay. She went from you know being a the long term champion in an era where they weren't making it a habit of signing women who could work real well to now she's 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 fine i guess but the problem is she's against the backdrop of women that are a lot more talented in the ring than she is i also think that, well so my where i think uh they're being a little tone deaf here is i don't think people that watch their reality show watch wrestling and i don't think the actual people that watch wrestling want to see that match yeah i would I would actually, it, I'm someone who is very much over Alexa. I would rather see a Rousey Alexa rematch that's more competitive than I would either of the Bellas. If, if you're bringing someone back, why don't you do, um, why don't you do like Ronda versus Lita or Ronda versus Trish? If you're going to go there. They're, they're allegedly bringing back Trish, but it's going to be Alexa versus Trish. They announced Trish. that one. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're hoping to accomplish with that. So you gotta, you gotta... Use those legends to put over the real stars, Shad. I don't know that that's going to happen, though. I, I couldn't imagine. Because if we're, if we're starting the Alexa Bliss on the Slide Down Tour, then it might be that Trish just whips her, too. I could see it going either you way. Know what they need to do? They need to throw a metric crap ton at Vicky Guerrero and bring her back as a manager for, like, a bunch of the heel women. Hmm. Yeah, Vicky was such a good heel. I'd even take her as GM again. Because she <laughs> because in a, in an era when people are afraid to be truly hated, like she, she Vicky did not care. She did not give one crap if people liked her or not. Yeah. She played her stuff to the hilt. I just miss personalities like that. They really don't have anyone of her caliber anymore. Well, like, The Miz does that. The Miz is all about playing up the heel stuff. But, you know, that's, that's, unfortunately, we don't have, in the era of merchandising, we don't have people who are willing to be that kind of heel very much. And they also played a commercial for the upcoming season of Total Divas. I've never seen one second of that show, and I'm not a reality fan in general, but that show seemed scripted and fake beyond all, like, uh, imagination. It, it is. 
It is. My wife's seen some of the episodes, and it's it's very scripted. So, so is Total Bellas a show too? Like, it is that like a spinoff of Total Divas? I feel that it is. Except it um, features the B team. Yeah, I would watch that actually. <laughs> so, is it like? I bet the guys would have is, fun. Is that show popular, or is it just like? I think it does well for whatever network is on. I don't think it's on. I think it's. It was on E at one point, I, wasn't it? I want to say it probably still is. Yeah. And I don't think those networks get like, if you get like two million people watching the show, yeah, it's probably yeah. So I I think it probably does decently, but I think you're right that it attracts people who don't really like wrestling because my wife isn't really a wrestling fan. Like she'll she'll go watch it live um, with me, but. She's not sitting there watching I, Raw I imagine, or really even watching the pay-per-views for the most part. I imagine part. it's people that watch, like, the Kardashians or watch those, like, um, you know, those, like, the those VH1 reality shows where they're all trying to, like, I'm air-quoting, you know, date the rock star that was starring in that show. <laughs> and then they oh, would do, yeah. like, sequels with, uh, like, one, the more the popular woman yeah. from it. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I ever remember from that is I think it was Flavor Flaves was the woman crapping on the carpet or whatever. Uh, yeah. I thought uh, that was the best of the, those dating type shows. Because it was what? Just so silly? or he's such Yeah, a, it was ridiculous. He's just a nut. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's maybe it'll work. I don't know, but honestly, I don't feel like that anybody who goes to face Ronda and loses is probably not going to be in the. They're probably not going to come out of it badly. I wouldn't think so. They're going to come out They're, you know, in the end, they're going to come out of this and they're going to be like, well, I lost to Ronda. You know, that it, it's impressive if I win. It's not like anyone really expecting me to take they're, it. They're, I think so, their problem with this is going to be um, the crowds turning on Ronda if she if it starts to feel too bullyish, mm-hmm. uh, which I could see happening. But I think mm. that's a problem for down the road that you can manage. Sure. Makes sense to me. And well, and so with that, we've um, we've hit the end of the SummerSlam card. Overall, I think the group of us can agree that this was a this was a good show. Um, there there were some things that Maybe we didn't care for here and there, but overall, SummerSlam 2018 is a good show. Yeah, I um, I usually have trouble sitting through four straight hours of wrestling, and I did not feel the need to turn this off once. And that, I know that sounds like it's like a backhanded compliment, but for me, that that says it all. Like I did not even think about turning this show off. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think overall this is like a it's kind of a thumbs up show. It has I would say at least two to three matches that are kind of worth watching. 
Uh, and overall, the consistency was pretty good. I felt I don't feel like there was a bad match on the show. There were a couple of matches I thought were, you know, fine. weren't like they didn't wow me, but there was for the most part, it was a good show. All right. Well, there you go, folks. If you did not wish, if you did not watch SummerSlam 2018, worth doing. Um, we have been with you here. We did this one. This one went on for a little bit. There's so. <laughs> a lot to talk about with this show, I think. That's true. And you know what? A lot of it was positive, too. So that's nice. Um, it's nice to have have that sort of thing because we've kind of gotten negative on a lot of stuff in the past. So it's, yeah. it, it's nice to be able to do that. Like I so, said, I, my, uh, my big thing after I watched this was... I was really relieved that I did not have to come on this show and bash another WWE show because like you said, I know we get negative on this show, but I don't think any of us want to be negative. Like we're all wrestling fans. We all would really like to watch good wrestling. So I think when we get negative, we're coming from a good, we're coming from a place of wanting it to be good. Yeah, that's the thing, like I said earlier, that frustrates me is there's just so many opportunities for things to be better that I get frustrated. So, yeah, we're not we're not actively look like looking to trash the product. We we just get frustrated, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and missed opportunities and things like that. Yeah. Well, guys, here's what I'm going to say is, um, first of all, please, uh, I would appreciate you guys. um Take a look, hit up our social media. That's um, Four Corners Podcast on Facebook and at Podcast, capital P, Four Corners, number four, capital C, Corners on Twitter. And, um, you know, hit us up. Tell us what you think. Agree, disagree, whatever. And uh, this has been Shad, joined by Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. Thanks for joining us.